All right, we will have two openings today, the first of which is dedicated to a close bet uh, unnamed friend of the Rick Emerson Show. Here he is. Max, that was great. I'm so glad you could come. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Peter Flynn, Max Fisher. All right. Who's this guy? Peter. I really liked your play. It was really cool. Yeah. Hey, Arthur. How you doing? Nice job. Hey. Gonna get to meet your dad tonight? Oh, no, the old man's on call. Mr. Bloom, I'd like you to meet Miss Cross, and I didn't catch this young gentleman's name. I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Well, they're totally inappropriate for the occasion. Well, I didn't know we were going to dinner. That's because you weren't invited. Take it easy, Max. You were the one that ordered him a whiskey and soda. So what's wrong with that? I can write a hair play. Why can't I have a little drink to unwind myself? So tell me, Curly, how do you know Miss Cross? We went to Harvard together. Oh, that's great. I wrote a hair play and directed it. So I'm not sweating it either. Can we get a check, please? What do you think you're doing? Getting a check. No, you're not. Excuse me. I just want to thank you for accommodating us. You see, we only thought we were going to be three. But uh, someone invited himself along, so I apologize. Quite all right, sir. Okay. Very well. You're being rude, Max. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out why you brought this gentleman to my play and my dinner, which was invitation only. Would you like me to pass the creamer, dog? Yes, please. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You hurt my feelings. This night was important to me. How did I hurt your feelings? Oh, my God! I wrote a hit play! And I'm in love with you. We now resume with today's regularly scheduled show beginning. Done! Sliding into his fifth pie, Lardass began to imagine that he wasn't eating pies. He pretended he was eating cow flops and rat guts and blueberry sauce. Slowly, a sound started to build in Lardass' stomach. A strange and scary sound, like a log truck coming at you at a hundred miles an hour. Lardess opened his mouth, and before Bill Travis knew it, he was covered with five pies worth of used blueberries. The women in the audience screamed. Boss man Bob Cormier took one look at Bill Travis and barked on Principal Wiggins. Principal Wiggins barked on the lumberjack that was sitting next to him. Mayor Grundy barked on his wife's t But when the smell hit the crowd, that's when Lardass' plan really started to work. Girlfriends barfed on boyfriends. Kids barfed on their parents. A fat lady barfed in her purse. The Donnelly twins barfed on each other. And the women's auxiliary barked all over the benevolent order of antelopes. And Lardash just sat back and enjoyed what he'd created. A complete and total barforama.
It's uh, 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of October, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. Thank you. Oh, are they? Uh, we appreciate your radio patronage and your presence today. It is Wednesday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. And as Herman, uh, as Herman Blues will say the following day, you're right. I should not have let him drink alcohol. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to be part of our radio program today, whatever manner might suit ye. Uh, 503-733-2970 with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you. Uh, our good friend Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, uh, or the mundane. It is 503 503- Seven three three two nine seventy. We thank you so much for uh, being out there. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, and you know, I do have to say this. Apparently, and I don't want to start off the whole show by just waxing our own car in full view of everybody because it is, you know. But I don't wish to hide our light under a bushel either. Uh, so we'll just split the difference and say that apparently this program was almost the sole outlet for all of that craziness that was in the air yesterday. By the time we got off the air, it had slowly started to filter into some of the other media outlets, what with the lady holding the gun to her head at the east end of the Burnside Bridge, and then the guy lashing a bunch of weights to his ankles and then jumping off that uh, building in Hillsboro. I guess it was covered in, well, really just here. So, and everybody else sort of came along uh, vulture style and just sort of made off with the journalistic carry-on uh, that we had. So. Edward Armero is smiling in his grave. <laughs> he is. This is exactly what he envisioned. Mm-hmm. All right. We carry on the tradition. No, it's, it's true. Bill Bailey would be proud. Okay, you know what is somebody... This I is think more than wires in a box. It might have, it might have actually been... I think it might have been in Paley's autobiography. Uh, I think Miller was talking about this today. He was saying, I think William Paley, I don't believe I'm telling tales at a school here, because I think Paley himself revealed this fact to be... Sarah, can you sweeten my microphone just a little bit? Thank you. I think Paley himself revealed this to be the case. But William Paley, who for many... uh, was the absolute unimpeachable head of the Columbia Broadcasting Systems for some time. I do believe late in life, his final mistress was... uh, Her name escapes me now, but she was a Bond girl. I can't even, now, now I can't remember her name. I knew her name until I opened my mouth to tell the story. And now that information has fluttered away from me like so many conversational moths to a flame. Well, in any event, but he was like 85 years old and he was putting it to a Bond girl. God bless him. God bless you, William Paley. Let's walk very carefully through these next few moments. Do you ever find yourself unintentionally reciting a movie line in your personal life? Like, you're not doing it, you're not trying to quote a movie, you're not trying to use a catchphrase, you're not attempting to amuse other people in the company break room by saying, it has different conclusions you can jump to. You are just in a moment in your life and then you realize that you are sort of unwittingly, without even really realizing it, just repeating dialogue from a film because it lodged in your head like some sort of, uh, some sort of linguistic burr and it's just sort of there. I remember sometime after having seen Good Night and Good Luck, which is a fantastic motion picture, I was having a rather heated discussion with somebody, and they said something that I felt was edging perilously close toward crossing the line. And I remember I, there was actually this sort of pall fell across the room, and I actually said, let's walk very carefully through these next few moments. And then it was only on a little late, like reflection later on that I realized I was doing Frank Langella from Good Night and Good Luck. Anyway, so to have wrote that film, thank you so much. All right, it's 503-733-2970 today uh, on this Wednesday. 
973-2970. You want to email today? You can do that as well, my friends, my chums, my amigos, my compadres, my companions. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, you can also email sarah at 970.am or tim at 970.am. So we uh, thank you so much for being out there. So here's what's coming up today, and I I opened my mouth with just the slightest bit of trepidation here because I'm talking to somebody from CNN who, A, I have never spoken to, and B, whose existence was unknown to me until about ten minutes ago. I am talking to not Jim Roop, and I don't mean any to, to disparage anybody here, but Jim Roop is sort of the, you know, he's the A-lister for us. I'm not saying to CNN or to the world at large. Uh, I'm just saying on, on this program, Jim Roop is the gold standard. Now, when Jim Roop isn't there, they will sometimes have me talk to Rachel McGrath, who hates me, which is fine. There's a certain amount of, I don't know, there's a certain amount of negative chemistry that she and I have. Well, there just isn't enough love to go around. No, there really there All the time. <laughs> really isn't. So Rachel McGrath is apparently unavailable. They've got everybody on earth covering this fire. I know that I made a variation on the same statement yesterday, but it does bear repeating. I'm not saying the fire is an unimportant story. Let's be very clear about that right now. In it's no way. ground as big as the city of New York. I'm not trying to say that the story is, is unimportant, that the story is not worth covering. That's really not what I'm trying to say. I guess my question would be, how many people does it take to cover the story since, A, every journalist in the Western Hemisphere is apparently already there, B, they have, what are, you, what are those things called, wires now that you can transmit stories across so one guy can be down there and he can give the story to everybody else in the rest of the world, and C... How many ways are there to say that everything is on fire or gone? I mean, I don't mean, I'm not really not trying to be flip or crass or snarky or obnoxious or a jerk about it. I just don't really understand. What what exciting new development would there be in, you know, flame? The house of someone famous has not burned down yet. Well, is that what they are all? They're all on the watch to see if Suzanne Summer's second house goes up? Yes, it'll be cheerful. All right. Tim, I hate to do this on the air. You have a little something right here. Right there. Okay, it's gone. You got it. I wonder what it was. I don't know. Now it's gone. Little well, piece thank of you for bringing some, it up. Some sort of lint, I think. Oh. They didn't. I, you I know, I have lint on me. I was actually pondering whether to make that announcement now, and I thought, you know, if I if I wait until you during the break, it's going to be there for another 18 minutes, and your shame will be compounded. Uh. Anyway. So I guess so. There's flame, and you know stuff. Anyway, so we'll talk about that. So we got, but it, but that's all outweighed by the excitement of talking to somebody new. So I will be speaking with not Jim Roop, not Rachel McGrath. I will be talking to, make sure I get this right, Brooke Binkowski. Okay, so we'll talk to Brooke Bin. Bin I, I think it's a woman because there's an E on the end of the Brooke. Part of the B list, maybe. Somebody, somebody they just saw sitting around near the coffee machine. Some sort of Stanley Spadowski type figure. Do you want a TV show? All right. Uh, let's see. We'll also talk to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy today. Ed McCarthy will join us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the World Series. I do recognize the cultural importance of the World Series. Especially, I have some friends. Well, we have our friend Seamus, you know, who lives in Colorado. We have some other listeners there. My uh, good friend Simone lives in Colorado as well. And I know they are up to their eyeballs in baseball fever. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, Mark Shearer will join us from New York today, where I swear to God I'm not making this up. You sometimes you'll hear that phrase, asleep at the switch, and normally that's a figure of speech. It's not meant in any sort of literal sense. There was a guy actually caught asleep at the switch this morning at, wait for it, a nuclear plant. Yeah. That's exactly what Tim says with barely concealed evil excitement. That's where you want a guy falling asleep, by the way, is guarding plutonium. So, 
Anyway, we'll talk about that later on. What else coming up today? We'll have the top five, top five political campaign songs of all time. Top five uh, political campaign theme songs. We'll talk to uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, we have to give away today another copy of American Gangster from BET Television and Paramount Home Entertainment. Let me make sure that I can get this uh, get that I can get this prepared up here. So, ladies and gentlemen, not now. Do not call now, but later on, be listening for the magical sound of Tim Riley saying, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. When you hear that later on, be caller number nine. You'll win a copy of American Gangster Season 1 from BET Paramount Home Entertainment. Uh, and quite possibly, we will read the worst email of the week. I got it yesterday. At about 2.55, Sarah and I were discussing it, and I really just flipped a coin at the end of the program and decided not to read it, which is... I think I, I chose correctly. Really, the sort of uh, universarial I Ching of the flipped coin, it really did work out for me because it was it would not have been good. We had a great show yesterday, apart from the guns to the head and the people jumping off of things. Uh, it would have been wrong to have ended yesterday's program with this email. So we might read it today, though. Today, all that was wrong will be, will be right. I think that's it. So uh, we got Brooke Brinkowski, Mark Shearer, Ed McCarthy, uh, the top five, Mr. Skin, perhaps the worst email ever, and uh, and we'll kind of go through uh, we'll go through yesterday's mail, plus your phone calls. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, and how are you? Hello, I'm doing great. All right, you had a great night last night. I did. I went and saw a Cabaret. I can pretend that I don't know all about it, but I really do know all about it. So. I know because I couldn't hold it in. We were gushing about it this morning, so it was great. Was it? Was it, it not was, fantastic? I am so glad I didn't really know a lot about it before I went to it because it is messed up. Yeah. It's so beautiful. you didn't see the original? No, I hadn't. I didn't even know the storyline. I didn't know that it, you know, involved all that Nazi propaganda and like just all the craziness. And um, Storm was absolutely phenomenal. You couldn't even. After seeing her out there for about two minutes, you don't even realize that it's her anymore. She does just become the character. And I found, like, six gay men that I'm in love with now. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the Storm had made that observation when she was here uh, that she was... I don't know. I don't even know if I'm supposed to repeat this. Um, well, she, we were talking to Storm in the hallway the last time she was here after the program. And apparently, now, I, I'm not asking for spoilers, obviously, but is there some sequence where Storm makes out with one of the guys? Or many, I perhaps many, all of them. many sequences? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen, I saw the and movie version all a long time ago. Beautiful, and just yeah. like oiled up and dancing around in their underwear. It's it's a naughty, naughty show. Hello. Uh, so, but I, I think Storm said that it, it, there's really no, uh, there's no other way to put this. So apparently every night when she gets done with the play, she goes home and just, uh, it's and just I. Yeah, maybe uh, you shouldn't. I guess that. I guess uh, I guess Davy is the recipient of all of that uh, the energy apparently at the end of the night. I think uh, I think it's a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of shimmying and gyrating, and then uh, Davy has to call in late to work apparently the next day. It's a it's a hard knock life. Anyway, so uh, but I knew it would be great. Like I said, I saw the movie a long time ago. I don't really remember anything about it though. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we're going to see it sometime next week. Yeah. I think we are picking a night next week, and we're all going to go. We may we may even take Scotty if he grovels. So uh, anyway, so we're going to see Cabaret. Uh, it was yeah, next it was week. absolutely amazing. It's been so long since I've seen a play or musical or whatever they was call it. Was it funny, humorous, or in between? Um, there was a lot of laughing. There was Scott, a, Nazis. How could it not be hilarious? Yeah, there's some really uncomfortable parts where people would be laughing, and then all of a sudden there's a reveal or there's something. You actually kind of listen to the lyrics to a song that's being sung. It's like, oh, wait, that's really messed up. Yeah. You know, and people would start laughing. I'm like, did you just hear what he said? It's so like... The, and when you come into the um, into the auditorium, actually, and you're sitting in there and you're waiting for your seat, they're actually playing over the speakers Nazi propaganda uh, propaganda music. Creepy. Oh, it's totally weird. <laughs> it's the it's the propaganda.
Amanda, that everybody at work can agree on, Sarah. Oh, it's completely bizarre, but the, the people in it are all beautiful and the dance sequences were good. I just, I can't rave about it enough. It was really rad. All right. Well, and I can't um, wait to see it again. Cabaret is just a poor man's swing kids, Sarah. I'm going to tell you that right now. I've never seen swing kids. No, don't see swing kids. It's a terrible film. It wasn't too dancey. It was more, it was more of a play than it was, like a giant, you know, glorious dance number. All I remember, this is Liza Minnelli, right, who did the movie Cabaret? And I think... It, this will sound strange. I went through this weird phase when I was a really, uh, when I was a pre-teenager where I watched a lot of movies. I was going to say watched a lot of Liza Minnelli films, but I watched a lot of movies that really, I don't know my parents were thinking. My parents just didn't monitor my TV intake at all, actually. And there would be these movies on late at night, early in the early days of us having cable, where they would just show the strangest films. And I remember being 10 or 11 years old and just watching these movies that, in retrospect, I'm glad I saw, but that I probably shouldn't have been exposed to when I was like 10 years old. I remember watching this movie... And then I swear to God we'll move on, because I can't get bogged down talking about Liza Minnelli this early in the program, because that's just going to be odd. But I do remember being about 10 years old, and again, my parents just, I really was raised by the television. And I'm not saying that was either good or bad, it just was the case. My, the television was, you know, sister, mother, secret lover. And so uh, everything I know, not unlike Chauncey Gardner, it just all came out of the television. But I remember being at 10 years old, my parents were God knows where, and I'm just sitting at home staring blankly at the TV like Carol Ann, and watching this movie called A Sterile Cuckoo with Liza Minnelli. And it, and it was all about like, it was all about like weird unintended pregnancies and free love and there's some sort of weird threesome relationship that happens at one point between Liza Minnelli and this hippie artist she's living with. And I was like 10. I couldn't process any of it. I just, I remember sitting there and there's some horrible miscarriage scene and I'm just watching it. It's all just pouring unfiltered into my head, just warping me young. So anyway, so the, the, the thing about the to get back to Cabaret. So apparently it's fantastic as we knew it would be. And... We love Storm, but of course I hear that it's just top to bottom. That it's, everything is great, so we're going to see that next week. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot darker than I thought it would be. And oh, she was just amazing. Then we got to go, uh, we went out for cocktails. Afterwards. I was just going to say, and I know that there's certain elements of last night that are not fit for probably public consumption. Yes. Um, but I but I knew you wanted to do your little uh, first three pages of Playboy magazine. What were you say? And then we all went to uh, we all went to Elaine's and hung out. It was really rad. Ted so, was there. So was Jane. We went to a place with some people and had some cocktails. Cocktails, and then Storm ended up going home because she has to do it all over again tonight. Yeah. And uh, then ended up going with a couple people to the Roxy. I and love the Roxy. And saw a bunch of drag queens screaming at each other. It was hilarious. Man, every time I go to the Roxy, which is not they that often, so there are mean. drag queens full on punching each other in the face. They are it is so great. mean to each other. Oh, it's and there wonderful. are people screaming at each other out on the street. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I had a really good grilled cheese sandwich. It's a grilled cheese and avocado sandwich. With a free floor show. Oh, it was an awesome. eight-foot tall man named Sissy punching a punching another man named you know like Joanne in the face. Oh, I wish I could just repeat all the conversations. There's a lot of profanity. I know that we're stumbling into an unexpected and sort of inadvertent theme here, but I will say this: I, I, I've gone to the Roxy not a lot lately. Um, been the last year, I've probably gone there two or three times. Always late at night, and you sit under that big neon cross. I'll sit underneath that huge neon cross and listen to Public Enemy CDs and have, like, a ham sandwich. And I swear to you, every single time, like, I would go there with Joni sometimes, and every single time we would walk out on the street, I would walk out there, and there would be some man in stiletto heels and a push-up bra pummeling another guy dressed up as Pam Anderson or something. And you just kind of go, you just sort of take it all in, and you kind of go, God damn, I love living here. And then you go home. Mm -hmm. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Speaking of campaign songs, I saw this on Mad Men in the next to the last episode. Yeah. Do you want to 
not a man for president who's seasoned Genius. through and through. But not so doggone seasoned that he won't try something new. A man who's old enough to know. And young enough to do. Well, it's up to you, it's up to you. It's strictly up to you. Boy, those days are gone. Yep. Meanwhile, Richard Nixon's just sitting there sweating. Sweating. <laughs> Wearing a gray suit. <laughs> just sitting there with a bunch of stubble, looking like a guy who'll mug you in a back alley. So, you know what Nixon always looks like? Don't get me wrong. I'm sort of fascinated with Nixon, and I always have been. Um, and I, I sit, I, I've read really just an obscene amount of books about Richard Nixon because I do find him very compelling. I, I loved his plan that he wanted the cable industry to fix it so he could look into everyone's living room through the teeth. <laughs> That was just diabolical. He just looks like Kennedy. Kennedy Nixon looks like somebody. He looks like somebody that you could very easily see just climbing out of a coffin at about midnight every night and just skulking around the corridors of, of Washington D.C. You know what I mean? Mm. God bless him. All right. So that Kennedy theme song is on my blog. If if, if you can stop watching that throw up thing that got like five thousand hits yesterday. Oh no! I went home and watched it all. I mean, I made everybody in the building watch it last night. Mm -hmm. Even Becca, who works at promotions and who hates to watch anything about vomit, mm -hmm. she was having a bit of a stressful day apparently, and she's like, "Oh, I'm having a day," and I'm like, "Hey, I got something to make you feel better." No, some of her, uh, some of the children she has there are troublesome. The children of Becca, the figurative children, we should say. Yes. Becca is sort of a, Becca works for promotions for KUFO, our sister station, and she's sort of a den mother. And I mean that in the, in the best way, uh, to to a lot of... Uh, Rep around the edges youngsters yes. who still haven't learned their manners. Okay. Like when asking someone to move their vehicle so I can leave, the reply from a 17-year-old is, looks like you're walking home. Oh, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I have dealt with a couple of them that are a little rude in the parking lot. Yes. Like one time I, I pulled in and oh, I was getting ready to back out or back into a spot and somebody just like zipped snap right your in. little neck like a twig. <laughs> Send you back to Mount Hood to learn manners one. Speaking to people old enough to be your parents. Do not block my car. Little snot nose. Genius. Well, okay, I can't stop that. Uh, that beats any story I had about the street team. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, you let me know if you need somebody worked over. Street urchins. I'll take care of them myself. <laughs> I was going to say, Richie Bristol, go work somebody over for you. We could, we could ask Richie to go kill somebody, and I think he'd do it. Scrape one of them off the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> and I say, move your car. You move it. <laughs> say, what's this in my grill? Uh, fantastic. Little 17-year-old from a certain community college paying $20,000 to piss off their elders. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a great day. I can just smell it on the horizon, everybody. It smells like victory. What have we in the way of news, Tim? News? Yes. News? news? I have no news. Well, Washington State <laughs> Patrol Troopers have been named the best dressed in the nation. They're snappy dressers. A parrot imitates a fire alarm and saves its family. A boy scout pe uh, plays dead and survives a bear attack. A woman survives 19 hours in the ocean. Donnie says Marie is okay following her public fainting on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I have something else on that. I happen to be watching live TV and not played back. And you know how they, they try to sell all these drugs with all these weird uh, side effects sure. to them? Well, one of them last night was for depression, and the side effect was fainting. Really? I wonder if Marie is on that drug. Oh, uh, yeah, because she is depressed and nutty. And the war in Afghanistan will only cost $2.4 trillion. It's a giveaway. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Fantastic. All right. It's 503-733-2970. I guess we should start taking these phone calls. I did have this big pile of... Uh, 
stuff to get to. I'm just going to start. I'm going to read this one email. Rick, I will not identify this person. I don't wish, I wish for this person to get into trouble. <clears throat> this is an email I received last night. And again, I will not identify whoever this is because I don't want them to uh, I don't want them to pay the price with their, uh, with their company. <clears throat> Rick, my company matches charitable employee contributions to nonprofits. And while we just laid off a few thousand people this month and our quarterly bonuses and raises have been, quote, indefinitely postponed... They just have the sack to send us an email encouraging us to contribute to the humanitarian efforts as a showing of global citizenship to Southern Californians due to the wildfires. And then he says, F that! Suzanne Summers, if you have built your mansion in the path of a wildfire and don't have enough insurance to cover it, you deserve to be homeless. He says, if your house, Suzanne Summers, is worth 20 times my annual salary, you can just F it with a giant palm tree when it burns down. <laughs> yeah, come on, knock on my door. He says, seriously, look at the houses they're showing on this Malibu scene with a fiery backdrop. They make Scotty J's $600,000 mistake look like an outhouse. F Suzanne Summers. I couldn't agree more, sir. There you go. Thank you. Fantastic. Wonderful. All right, well, let's just get uh, a couple of calls here, and then we'll uh, move on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How can I help ye, sir or madam, as the case may be? It's me. It's me. Yeah. Yes, it is, sir. Hi. Hi. Um, Deacon, your uh, blind sheep uh, book suggestion follower, wanted to let you know that I did read uh, Into the Wild and In, loved it. Into and, the Wild by John Krakauer, yes. And actually went and saw the movie last night. How did, I am not going to see the movie probably, but how did you feel about it? Have you read the book? I have read the book, which is actually not to be too hoity-toity about it, because there's only a handful of movies I will ever say this about. But the book was so great that I don't, I don't think I want to see the movie. To be perfectly honest with you, the book and the movie almost parallel each other. It was incredibly well done. Really? I mean, Sean Penn's a great filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. He's a gifted filmmaker. Looks like he's got a great soundtrack. That kid who plays Chris McCandless looks to be, you know, about right. It's just... um. And again, there's no way to talk about this and making myself sound like some weird crystal-gazing nitwit. But I, I, if you've read Into the Wild, um, I, I do really, and I said this a couple weeks ago, I do really wonder how Chris McCandless would feel about a movie being made of his life because his whole mission was just to disappear. Yeah, they no, they did a great job, and actually, uh, Vince Vaughn is in it. Really? It's uh, Wayne, the uh, South Dakota farmer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess Hal Holbrook is in it too. Yeah, uh, Vince Vaughn almost stole the show. All right, well, you know, and Vince Vaughn can be, as the guy says in Tommy Boy, can be a smug, unhappy man. So, uh, you know, he can be sort of smarmy and unlikable. So it's good to see that he can do something good now and again. Well, you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a fool's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Thanks. All right. Bye now. All right. Bye. There you go. Thank you. Brain is a soft candy shell. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, uh, Rick, and I know we kind of exhausted the subject yesterday, but okay. I kind of got the last definitive stuff about items or uh, two things falling at the same rate. Okay, uh, let me just hold on. Why don't you talk about that first? Before you do that, though, let me go just find something heavy to bludgeon myself with. No, no, trust me. you're gonna, it's, it's not going to be fast. Uh-huh. Okay, they, they have to be in a vacuum. Like, and a feather will fall at the same rate as a bowling ball. We were talking yesterday about uh, about the, the, the Newtonian proposition that two items of differing uh, mass or uh, weight would fall at the same speed, all conditions being equal. This so, is because of the guy in Hillsborough who tied weights around his ankles to compensate for the fact that he was only jumping up a six-story building. Exactly. So gravity works at, 
that, that way without wind resistance. The wind resistance is the third. <laughs> okay. I, in no way did I see that coming. Who saw that coming? I defy you to say you saw that coming. I knew it was going to happen at some point. Not me. I didn't. You knew it? Yeah. You mean with this guy or in general? In general. Okay, that is gold. That is fantastic. Well done, sir. But I wasn't going to re relive yesterday's show because I, I, I think we were... you got to live in the now, Tim. I suppose so. I, I played the we're little... looking ahead. I played the little stand-by-me speech at the top, but I figured, you know, you, at some point you got to move on. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, before we do this, I'm going to give a... I, and I hate to just sort of end this on just a, a passel of just the random crap. But A, let's not delude ourselves. That's really what this show is most of the time. And B, if I don't start making some of these uh, observations, they're going to stack up. And then one of these days, I swear to God, you're all going to sit through four hours of me going. And then also, whatever happened, to, you know. Is, so I, I've just got to start doing sprinkling in some of this. You know what these things are? I've got written down on my legal pad in front of me. It's like a conversational Mrs. Dash. You know what I mean? Like a little bottle of this, little bottle of that. Put it on a baked potato. Tastes fantastic. So let me just say this: the uh, the guy who works at the plaid pantry that we sometimes go to. Sarah's face, Sarah's, Sarah's pal. Yeah. The guy who at any moment, you just expect him to be sniffing his fingers every time you walk in there. So I will say this. A, not only is he so weirdly off-putting that I try not to touch any of the money he hands me. We had that discussion yesterday about the relative filth that is on um, sort of dollar bills and coins and anything that gets handed around. That guy hands me money, and I try to do everything I can to sort of fold it on the inside of my money clip so that nothing touches anything else. You know what I mean? So that I don't sort of contract any of the stupid that might be on there. I just wanted to make this observation, Sarah. This is for you. A, uh, I walked in, and he was two knuckles deep into his right nostril. And okay, also, I don't need no, to know this. No, you do. And here's, no, you, you need really, to know I'm that. not in the mood no. today. That's and disgusting. Here's the other thing you need to know about uh, our friend at the Plaid Pantry, who is really... No, 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 you have to hear this. It's not as bad. It's okay. really just sort of a little slice of life. As of today, same clothes three days in a row. I don't mean. You know what? I don't think it's so sad that he's wearing the same clothes three days in a row as, as it is that you noticed that. Oh come on! We've like, worked with people like that. I was. Yes, we have. Like you. How do you pay so much attention to his clothes? Because he's facet. Well, you just get in and just go in. Get your because food, some get out. people wear the same clothes every day and they're rotunda and they wear a rainbow suspenders. And I was. Oh. And I is that pizza community property? Uh, no. Here's why I oh, noticed the fact that he's wearing the same clothes. I don't want you to think that I'm inordinately fascinated with his wardrobe as such. It's just that, and I won't uh, be very, very specific about this. I will say he does wear a really, truly, innovatively trashy kind of clothing. And I don't want to. I'll be any more specific than that. Uh, I'll just say he does. Like, if you ever go to a like, a, like if you find yourself at some like a, like a Walmart or a truck stop or something, and you see. Remember that store I talked about at Lloyd Center where they were selling the Dale Earnhardt touch lamp? Yes. And you see clothing at stores like that where it is like the really badly hand-drawn, where it's like, um, it'll be like, like you'll look at it, it'll be a collage of like Scarface and Tupac Shakur playing poker with guns on the table. And you're like, well, who, who buys this shirt for $4.99 and wears it every day? You're totally that right. Guy. That guy. And so the guy wears a, a, a certain kind of clothing that is just so unbelievably gaudy and just sort of garish. But not just one day. He, Monday, 
And for all I know, frankly, Saturday and Sunday. But at least Monday, yesterday, when I meant to make the observation, but now today, when it is now three days in a row, and I'm not talking about the plaid pantry uniform. I'm not talking about the little jacket that says, hi, my name is Steve, or whatever his name is. I'm talking about his actual next-to-his-skin uh, T-shirt. Three days in a row now. Mm. Exactly. And I can tell because there's this one stain right above the name tag that's just kind of there every day. So there you go. Uh, that and uh, what else? Oh, and before we do anything else, and this really is... And we've uh, really got a break. I know. This is a break from our usual snark fest. As we go into the break, I want to give a huge shout-out uh, to our good friend Bridget, uh, who works upstairs, who, in the absence of Scotty J, has helped us with the podcast. We had a whole bunch of people on MySpace and in my email who were like, hey, whoever's doing the podcast, great job. They sort of wrongly credit me for it, I guess, just because my name's on it. So I can't take any... It would be wrong for me to take the credit. So Bridget, who works upstairs, has stepped right into Scotty J's sort of ill-fitting shoes and uh, she is doing that so any when you hear the podcast running flawlessly correctly it's up a few minutes after the show is done uh, that is all Bridget so uh, all hail to ye Bridget from upstairs uh, thank you all for your help uh, we'll take a break coming up in just a while uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Mark Shearer Ed McCarthy uh, Brooke Benkowski uh, the top five Tim Riley uh, and more of your phone calls if you're on hold hang tight because we return after this getting worse. <laughs> Seriously, that is my as, fear. As George Carlin says, you'll spend a lot of time wandering around the beach wondering why you're getting larger. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, we got CNM Radio Correspondent Mark Shearer joining us here in a few. So, uh, uh, FYI, Richie, uh, that'll be line one, two, three, four, five, six here in a skosh, as they say. Uh, later on, Brooke Benkowski, also Ed McCarthy, uh, top five, uh, Mr. Skin coming up later on. We'll get these couple calls here before that happens. Uh, we'll get David in a second. This is Jim. Come on, Jim. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going, brother? What's up, sir? Hey, so your comment about uh, being raised by a television yeah. uh, made me think of, of uh, a movie. Have you ever seen the movie Cable Guy? Uh, Ben Stiller, Jim Carrey. I remember seeing about half of it when I woke up one night and it was sort of on. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, okay. Well, because the final scene, Jim Carrey is perilously hanging above a satellite dish. Uh-huh. And then makes the comment, it's time to kill the babysitter. And I just thought that that might resonate with me. I, uh, I remember going through the whole... I, I never saw Cable Guy, A, because it got so mercilessly eviscerated when it came out. The critics just decided that it was the worst thing ever somehow. And I do have to admit this, that I, A... I don't dislike Jim Carrey as much as I once did. I went through a period where I really actively loathed Jim Carrey. And uh, and I just and you know why? It, it, because we've all had this experience. It's the same reason that I can no longer listen to ska ever in any form at all. Because I had a roommate who listened to nothing but ska like 24 hours a day. Oh. And so 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, I would hear this plink, 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 plink sound coming out of his bedroom. And he would sit there and listen to like mustard plug records all day. And I just was like, I, I can never hear this again. I had a roommate for a while in Spokane who used to watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective. He would sit there and he would get baked on the couch. And he would find that movie hilarious as only... And don't get me wrong, I love me some dumb comedy. I really do. 
I mean, listen to how I killed four hours a day of my life. But he would sit on the sofa being incredibly amused by Ace Ventura talking out of his ass as only a guy who has just smoked a bowl and a half really can be. And so I kind of went through this whole, I will never watch anything by Jim Carrey as long as I live phase. Now, it also was coupled with the fact that it had Ben Stiller. Now, you know, here's two things you need to know. A, and I realize I'm really over-answering your question, but two things you should know about this. A, I have come around on Jim Carrey. I now find Jim Carrey to be a very funny, talented, and capable actor. I've seen him in many things, up to and including Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is one of the greatest movies of our time. Um, ben Stiller is still a dick who I refuse to watch in anything. Okay. Hey, as a side note, yeah. I was at Montage on Saturday. Yes. Looked at the drink menu at the bar, and they have a drink called the Ex-Wife, which Re includes Night Train, Thunderbird, and Mad Dog. Really? So, having that drink, the result of that was I had playing brownouts for the rest of my Saturday night. <laughs> Fantastic. You were suffering what we call a Scotty J period in oh, your life. Oh, baby, was I. And how fitting, by the way, that Scotty was unknowingly drinking something called the Ex-Wife. I'm sorry, was that out loud? All right, thank you. Bye now. Oh, sometimes I love you. Yes, well. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello there. Yeah, Rick, I wanted to shut this thing down once and for all about the fellow jumping yesterday. For the love of God. Okay, now most of your oh. listeners unfortunately get their science from Star Trek episodes. There's nothing wrong with that, sir. Well, yeah, but let's go to Physics 101. The fellow that Can we please? Off, the, the fellow that jumped off that building was trying to increase the force of his fall. Now, force in physics, force equals... No, 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 I know this one. I know this one. I know this one. Yes, go ahead. No, 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 I know this. The force is the energy that binds all no, living no, no. things together. No, that's Star Trek. Anyway, it's force equals mass times acceleration. The uh -huh. acceleration of each object is going to be the same, as we've all been discussing. But the mass will increase when he ties the weights to his ankles. Therefore, the force will be greater by tying that extra mass to his ankles, he will have much greater force hitting the concrete or whatever below. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. He jumped off the wrong side of the building and the trees broke his fall. So it really is the very definition of an academic discussion at this point. Yeah, it was still greater force hitting those bushes. <laughs> just like a dog with a bone. You just, yes, Rick. But I have this graph Rick, that I have created. force equals mass times acceleration. You can't argue with that. All right. You should put that on a business oh, by card. The way, Hand uh, it out to uh, the ladies. It sounds like the uh, the eat your soul fellow has turned into a vomit fellow. The I'm going to vomit your soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Vomit. Is, that's, the, uh, that's the cannibal corpse version of that. All right, it's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. Well, I'm unclear about what's happened to Mark Shearer, who I believe was supposed to be joining us. He, he, by the way... I still have it. Yeah, right here. I can't, he can't even use the wildfires as an excuse, by the way, uh, because he's in... Uh, where the hell is he? He's in New York City, I think. So what's going to happen here is that Mark Shearer will probably call late here in just a moment. He will call late. I'll get, what, really, is it not Ben Stiller? Oh, it's Matthew Broderick. Is that what these people are calling about? Let's find out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's Storm. I don't know anything about Matthew Broderick. Oh, I think we all know <laughs> that's a lie, Storm. Storm, Storm. Storm Large, how are you, sister? I'm good. How 
are you doing? Uh, we are uh, we are rolling, as they say. Ah, most excellent. Hey, I just wanted to remind you guys. I didn't know if you heard, but uh, my buddy Lucas is in town tonight. Lucas Rossi. Uh, wait, don't. I know this one. He is at. Wait. The Dixie Tavern. Yes, the Dixie. Well done. I saw it. I saw <laughs> the ad so in the weird, Rick. Your your brain sounded just like Sarah's voice. <laughs> it's true. As it gonna, always does. I was going to see if you were going to go check him out, but obviously that's not going to happen. No, I am. I'm going to go down there after um, I get off the uh, after I get off the stage. I got to hose the makeup off my face and then uh, run down there and see him. I might see him today if he's if he's in town yet. But um, but I wanted to. Give a shout-out to my little Canadian bro and, and have folks come out to see him. I can tell you, he was pretty great. As much as much as we were all, you know, kind of taking sides when that whole thing was happening on the show, he was pretty great when he was here, and I really did honestly like that CD that he brought us. Oh, he's, he's an incredible musician, and he's such, got such a great voice, and the show is such a limited view of all of us, really. Right. You know, people think... That people think the craziest things about me, for heaven's sake. They, go, still, go think I, they still think I broke up Dave Navarro's marriage and stuff. The people, as we were talking about earlier, you were raised by your television. There are people that are still being, you know, suckled by the teat that is the tube. <laughs> you know, let me just say this, though. As Frank Zappa once said, you know, even if it's not true, don't ever let them know it's not true because the myth is always more interesting than the reality. Oh, absolutely. I let people think all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Just, it makes my life seem much more interesting than it really is. As just one side. Note: I got to tell you, I don't watch a lot of reality programming, especially not competition-oriented programming. But I was talking about this show, America's The Search for America's Next, next Top Band, next band or Next Top band. band. It's some show that's on some channel with that Dick from the Goo Goo Dolls, and so I was watching it. <laughs> And I was really only watching it because my wife wanted me to see this zombie country band that was playing, where it's a whole bunch of guys with corpse paint singing this rockabilly song about crawling out of a grave. And so it was pretty great. Awesome. It was. It was actually really great. And then there was uh, this Christian bluegrass band that... Uh, they they did this sort of because the great thing about bluegrass sometimes it is, it is sort of like this hillbilly speed metal, and they were doing just these, like the most insane like dobro and mandolin version. Oh of, yeah. Will the circle be unbroken? It was just fantastic. That's anyway, awesome. No, you can't you cannot fake bluegrass. No, it was really great. But there was this band at the end that the judges all just like wet themselves over. And I swear to you, the guy who it was like a band put together by a focus group, but the lead singer. If if you did not know better, and if you had just sort of casually glanced at the television, you would have thought it was Lucas Rossi. I mean, the guy was a flat-out, full-on, freaking clone wow. of Lucas, down to his wardrobe, down to the way to the, to the jewelry he wore, down to his hair. It down wasn't to his him, mannerism. though. Was, was it, it wasn't. No, it was like some other guy. Wow. I forget the guy's name, but he was. He, he was. I mean, it was like the, like a sort of a blurry Xerox of Lucas. You know, there was a there was a there's another band when I was when we were on tour in Canada. I was at a radio station doing an interview and there's a poster this might be mean but there's a poster of a band god i can't remember their name something like vomit or saliva or like your mother's underwear or something just you know groin armpit right the singer looked like lucas like if someone had just kept lucas in a dark room and made him eat loaves and loaves and loaves of bread that's saliva is it yeah. They were they were actually here uh they were here for Rockfest. Uh, oh my god, actually. are they good? I feel bad now. No, 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 they're I mean they're good. I mean they do they do a specific slice of rock. They kind of do the new metal the rap metal thing. But I mean within what they do, they're very good actually. They're they and they're from Nashville, which is bizarre because you hear the guy talking first of all, he is a He's a man of size. Yeah. Um, but he gets up there and he says, well, we're all here from Nashville, and I'd like to thank you all for, you know, and, and this, like, weird hillbilly twang is coming out. <laughs> and then he goes to sing, 
And then he's, I can't, I won't try to do it, but he's doing this whole weird guttural death metal, you know, wow. like weird, like rolling in his 5-0 kind of hip-hop thing. It's all very, we're, we're living in a really weird time. I will make this one final observation about who we will forever after now refer to as the saliva guy. The funny thing is, I saw him at Rockfest. I've seen him a couple other times. You look at the poster, he's strangely thin. You, he I'm, was fat in the poster, oh, though. Is no. he bigger than the poster? Well, I will huh. say this: the poster upstairs. He's strangely thin and strangely tall. So I think did they do that thing they do to it to poor Ann Wilson, where they stretch her out and put her behind a ficus? There may. Have... <laughs> <laughs> you ever Look. notice that in her videos? They stretch her out and put her behind a plant. Look, uh, Ann, can you just sort of peer around a corner? It's terrible. It's true, and she's um, she could sing the paint off your house. I'm with I'm with you. I'm going to use that phrase at some point in the future. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to have to skedaddle, unfortunately. That's I hate to cool, be that man. Guy. You, I'll, I'm, I'm working on getting you guys all a, row, a chunk of seats, so you just uh, you let me know when Lara can come. Storm will take a chunk of anything you want to give us. <laughs> Thank you, Ooh, sister. All right, love you guys. Bye, now. Bye Storm Large, ladies and gentlemen. There you go, Storm Large Cabaret. All right. Um, my apologies uh, in advance to uh, to Brooks. So let me. Um... Make sure I know what the hell I'm talking about here. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program, CNN Radio Correspondent, Brooke Binkowski. Hey, Brooke, how are you? Hi, why are you apologizing in advance? Um, because I think we're taking you a couple minutes late, aren't we? Oh, that's all right. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, I'm just going to retract the apology then. Let's forget <laughs> it happened. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, I'll just put it behind us. Um, so you are now, are you in, um, uh, you are in San Diego right now, are you not? Yes, I am. All right, and so... I was sort of talking earlier about how it does seem like they've, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation, they've sent every reporter in the Western Hemisphere to cover this fire. Well, and you know, California's on fire. So. It is. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it, California, as they always remind us, has, I think, the seventh largest economy in the world or something like that. I will also now. I will make this observation that Jim Roop's pants caught on fire. Yes, I know. But, you know, that's nothing new for Jim Roop. His pants are always catching on fire, no matter where he goes. That's what Jim thing. Just because of his innate sensuality. That's right. It that's really right. He's, he goes to Utah. He goes to Colorado. He goes to Alaska. Oh, his pants got on fire again. <laughs> or else we get ripped off and by some strange woman walking down the street. I'm going to form a band called Jim Roop's Burning Pants. <laughs> Just so you're aware of that, in case you should see that. In case you see that on a marquee at the whiskey or something, that you know that's Rick Emerson. Well, that's like that's better than Brooke Binkowski's burning underwear or something like that. Hold on, I'm, know, I'm writing. Binkowski's burning rash. I'm, I'm writing that down. Well, we're going to need a name for our. We'll need a name for our compilation album. So. Oh no! What have I done? Hey, <laughs> so here's a dumb question with this fire. Uh, I, maybe this just seems too obvious, but how do they know when things are getting better? Is that a question of the acreage being reduced, or is it a question of the weather? How do they know when, when things are no longer getting worse? Um, well, <laughs> that is not a dumb question, actually. That's a very good question. That the truth is, here's the truth. Nobody knows. Nobody has any idea. Well, right. uh, they, they, they say things are getting better when there's firefighters all around the fires in a big circle, so they can sort of fight it that way. Um, and they call that, I believe they call that containment. Uh, but that's not really what's going to happen here. Uh, I think things are so bad right now, or so potentially bad, that if the humidity goes from 6% to 8%, things are getting better. All right, then. So it is so sort of it is sort it is sort of relative then, um, yes. and then I this as they people usually say this and they don't mean it it's sort of a figure of speech but I do mean this quite literally now this just handed to me uh, this is uh, out of San Bernardino so apparently they have uh, arrested a motorcyclist for setting a fire 
uh, in the rural, rural foothill area of the San Bernardino Mountains. So I, I guess they busted, and so this is, I guess, a contributory fire or a smaller fire. This is obviously not one of the sort of mother of all fires. You know, um, a very, very quick side note. When there uh, was a horrible plane crash in San Diego, I think in 1979, mm-hmm. uh, apparently all of the creepy people came out of the woodwork and started, you know, coming to the site, stealing shoelaces and, and bits of things. I think it's sort of like that now with the fire people. So it's sort of, that all, it's sort of like it's, it's like their Graceland. Yeah, you know? they're they gotta, all coming out and starting little fires. They got to so stop. Well, you know, some guys golf. So, uh, well, it looks like they, this guy just started a small fire and they nabbed him and they're going to put him in a small room and beat him with a hose for a while. So we got that going for us today. But okay, well, that's good. I, uh, as long as we can get it live with uh, CNN, that's all I care about. I, uh, what, is, what is the weather like down there right now? Is it, oh, it's is horrible. It, I mean, is the wind at least died down a little bit? It did for a while. I'm uh, sort of pacing back and forth outside. The wind has sort of kicked up again out of the east, uh, which is not good because that's where the fires are relative to me. Um, it's still that hot, dry Santa Ana. You know, it's October. It's right. fire season. Um, it's not. It doesn't seem to be getting any better at all. Um, is, excuse me. I was just going to say. I'm sorry. We're just, I'm just kind of stepping on you here. But I, is it true that they've actually now recruited? I was sort of joking about this the other day. Is the Mexican it tr- firefighters. Uh, well, that and and actually uh, a bunch of prisoners who are now uh, out there. And I guess you know any port in a storm, any help in a fire, they've, they're recruiting help from really just every single corner of the globe. Because I mean, even though anybody in, they can get. Because, Anybody they can get. Yeah, because this does happen, I don't want to say all the time, but on a pretty annual basis, you know, this is going to happen. But you, it seems like California has exhausted its supply of uh, firefighters uh, pretty quickly, and understandably so, because they're out there just up to their eyeballs in it. And so you guys are just kind of getting help from wherever you can. Anywhere we can, yeah. I don't know about the uh, prisoners, although I wouldn't be surprised because they've done stuff like that before. And I can tell you that there were um, a group of Mexican firefighters who came up across the border, helped fight the fire, and then they had because Baja California is on fire. And is it true that Baja California is in Mexico? Yes. All right. I always like to verify that. That seems like one of those things that's interesting but can't possibly be true. Now you have checked that off in my head. And we're done. All right. That was the strong arm of Laura Caviezel. Time has elapsed. Really? Well, she told me she has to be gone by the top of the hour. It's not the top of the hour yet, but that's okay. I don't know, but that happened to Laura the other day when I was talking to her. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what that hand signal meant that you were giving me. The East Germans used yeah, to Yeah. Like, Sarah uh-huh. was giving me a top of the hour. I thought you just sort of meant like I needed to just kind of wrap it up because we didn't want to get behind. The long arm of the is CNN that, uh, Is that Brooke calling back to you I don't know. Let's see. Because I would like at least to say goodbye. She was, uh... she was nice. Hi, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Yeah, okay. Thanks so much. Bye now. All right, we'll just assume that that's Brooke. She was great. How great was she? Oh yeah. Uh, you know where Brooke Benkowski is from, Tim Riley? I don't know. You know where she? Uh, you know where she currently uh, works? No. KNX. How about that? KNX 1070 News Radio. Fantastic. That's a CBS affiliate. It uh, it is. I'm big uh, fifty thousand watt clear channel. Would you like to know a little bit more? Now, see, Richie, will you let me know what's going on? Will you will you pick up line six, Richie? Because I if I if it's just this reminds me when I used to answer the request line at a, at a rock and roll station in Spokane, and I and it was always like a fax machine, and then for a while it was like like you know a, a deaf person using one of those TTYL or one one of those things, one of those ASL things, whatever it is, one of those things. Try to you used to call in, and I didn't know what it was, and I thought it was just a weird screechy thing, so. Uh, if that's uh, Brooke or, or Lord, just apologize. I didn't realize that is my fault. You can put that on my bony shoulders. I didn't realize that I had to cut that off. I will accept all the blame for that. Let me just tell you a little bit about Brooke Bink, uh, Binkowski. Uh, I'd love to hear more. You know, and how sad. I mean, I'm you know, I don't wish for there to be more natural disasters, but how sad that we might not get to talk to her again. Because it sounds like they really are having to go deep into the bench to pick her up. 
Brooke Benkowski, Tim Riley, was born and raised in Southern California, began her broadcasting career running the audio equipment at San Diego radio station KPOP, which specialized in... Pop music. Frank Sinatra and Peggy Lee. Oh. Moonlighting as a, wait for it, cub reporter at the company's news station, Kogo. She quickly realized news was what she wanted to do with the rest of her life. No, Kogo is a big station. When she was 22, Brooke Benkowski decided to take a job as a full-time reporter at KFQD in Anchorage, Alaska. Really? After two years, she was hired by CNN Radio and moved into the thankfully much warmer city of Atlanta, Georgia. After some time at CNN, she began to miss the year-round sun nearby beaches and rolled tacos mm-hmm. of Southern California. So she decided to move home to work for KNX. God bless her. She was great. Fantastic. Yes. Brooke Benkowski, I know you can't hear me. They have nice uh, new studios, too. The door is open to you whenever you wish to call. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. That's one hour down. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back after this. Tim Riley, have you prepared news for us? I do. I have. <laughs> I am. Wonderful. I am America, and so can you. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. long as I'm taken care of. All right, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy. Uh, we also got the, the worst e- We also got, uh, what do you want? We got your Ed McCarthy. We got your uh, worst email ever. We got your top five coming up later on. And we got your Mr. Skin. Oh, and I've got uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley's whoredom reaches a brand new high, or low, depending on how you look at that. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, all these things pale into a sort of a vague, amorphous mist in your mind as we welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show your personal savior, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Now, where is the California fires, they will affect you if you eat guacamole. Because I do. The price of guacamole will skyrocket. More than 20,000 acres of avocado trees in northern San Diego County went up in smoke. That's at least a third of the state's crop. And another 15,000 acres is threatened by flames. A lot of those avocado trees also in Ventura County. Now, they haven't had any fires there yet. Yeah. But most of the avocado trees are in San Diego yeah. County. Something has to be done. Now there's something. What else do they... This is, I know makes me sound like a not only... Not an ugly American, but an ugly Northwesterner. Mm-hmm. Um, what else there do they... Are plenty of those. What else do they grow in California uh, that we might bring up here? I, I know that makes me sound stupid, but I don't really... I really uh, even having lived there, I don't really know. Avocados, uh, lettuce... All kinds of crops. Lettuce. Lettuce. Cabbage. Tomatoes. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Well, okay. Oh, orange is in Orange County. Oranges. That's right. That's right. I thought I, kept, I was thinking we'll that's just We'll have to get our orange juice from Jeb Bush's state. Oh, no. We don't want no. that kind of tainted orange juice in okay. our state. Anyway, uh, Oregon could get a new nut house. We'll find out tomorrow. Uh, Oregon officials expected to award a contract to replace a century-old state hospital for the mentally retarded. You know, <laughs> okay, hey, 
Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Finish, and then I'll... I'll... The hospital will be built on the site of the current hospital, which is featured in the 1975 film, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, wait a minute. I said I was going to wait until the end, but I can no longer wait. I'm sorry, Tim. I I don't make you wait. One more on a pile of broken promises. Mm -hmm. So, A... How great that you started this with Nuthouse, and I really didn't know what you were talking about, I thought. Insane Asylum? Factory for some sort of a factory for legumes of some kind? Yeah. I really didn't know if you were speaking colloquially or literally. Like you, hazelnuts? A house of nuts. Well, Oregon is noted for hazelnuts. Is I it? You might, yes, do we sir. grow nuts here? Hazelnuts? Mm-hmm. Right. Famous. We grow more hazelnuts than anybody else. You're making that up. No, I you, know that is a fact. How do you know it's a fact? I heard the Japanese complaining about it. As they often do. Yeah. <laughs> They wanted to get Oregon a run All for their them. money in the hazelnut production era, but they gave up because they knew that they would be defeated by Oregon. And they didn't want to make us mad because they get most of their Christmas trees from us. Really? I honestly... We're just in such a weird funhouse mirror labyrinth of just insane news facts here. I don't even know which... I don't even know how to find my way out. I don't know where I find the storage room for all these things, but I do. I am in the tall grass. I am in the weeds here. Um, all right. Well, so whatever. Take apart one by one, if you wish. Hey, do they have acorns here? I'm, I would imagine. There are these trees across the tree from my house, and they drop these nut things on the ground, and I don't know what they are. Like and they're kind of like balls. They, they could be walnuts. I had one of my trees sprayed so they wouldn't drop them. Anymore. No, no, no. I know what a walnut is. I like that's so great that your tree produced a fruit and you had it killed. Yes. You, because I kept running them over, and it was going to give me flat tires. Walnuts can't give you flat tires. They could have if I let them grow. There were so many, and it it was. It was uh, gathering all the squirrels in my yard, and my dog almost jumped through the window trying to get the squirrels. So I killed two problems by killing the walnuts. By killing the walnuts, you have in turn killed the squirrels, which no, no. means that your dog will the not... The squirrels have to eat elsewhere. Uh-huh. Is that the, the lie the you tell yourself to sleep at night? The dog will not try to jump through the window and crack it, as he once did. When you kill off the walnuts, Tim Riley, yeah. when you... Okay, so you have killed off the walnuts First of all, your... I don't live there anymore. It's my rental. Oh, let me just make so a... So the lady who lives there now yeah, I'm has just, no walnuts. I'm just saying it is it is your property on which you pay taxes, even though you don't live in Multnomah County. And I'm paying for other people's children. <laughs> I just... Poor people who do not use condoms. I <laughs> I just said that to jab at you. Um, no, but let me... Well, that's what I think about every time I look at that tax bill. <laughs> How many rubbers I can buy with this? Just airdrop them. I'll hand them on door to door. This will go down just air, a little bit. Airdrop them over St. John's. Yes. Um, all right. Be like a Jonestown announcement. Mothers, use condoms. Give these to your children. We have enough children for the motherland. Um. All right. I don't even know where to begin. We are so many hundreds of layers into this news That's onion. Only three sentences out of the story. <laughs> I have a whole stack of them here. Okay, but let me just say, the great thing about you having the walnuts, which, by the way, and I'm not passing judgment, which most people find to be pleasant and sort of, they're, you know, they're sort of wonderful for the holiday season to have a bowl of walnuts. Fanciful in sort of an Americana way. Right. I think I speak for all of us. You see some walnuts, you say, hey, look Santa at that. Santa in the sleigh. Isn't that great? Look at these walnuts. What, are the, what a constant, enduring miracle of life this the planet is. The of the Lord. And I hear the, I hear the voiceover of Sigourney Weaver, like on that Earth thing on the BBC, going, the walnuts grow every year in a cycle of life that is repeated decade after decade. Geneticists have yet to unravel the mystery of this amazing fruit, but we do know it is part of Earth's bountiful harvest. And meanwhile, Tim is having the exterminator come in and spray the tree with something to kill it. Stop these walnuts! And so, having stopped the walnuts, you now tell yourself this lie that the squirrels, quote, have just gone somewhere else to eat. Which is sort of like when you tell your child, no, 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 the dog is living on a farm in the countryside where he can run and roam freely. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly where he is. Like when they, you know, the Indians die because their arrows weren't sharp enough. <laughs> okay, so blah, 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 nuts, dogs. Oh, and just a final question. Because my dog chases squirrels, too, because the squirrels still live in my neighborhood. They're alive. They haven't been rounded up and gotten rid of. Um, oh, the squirrels, uh, they're free to roam wherever they wish. No, I understand. There are plenty of places for no. them to eat. No, I understand. Don't get me wrong. As long as the trains run on time in your neighborhood, Tim Riley. That's all you care about. Tim, let me say something. First, they came for the squirrels, and I did not stand up because I was not a squirrel. Also, my dog will do this thing of lunging at squirrels. Now, are they? is the dog A, is he really trying to catch the squirrel, or B, because he must know at this point he can't catch a squirrel, much less a goddamn bird, which he also chases. Hello, you don't have wings. So is it that the dog is trying to catch the squirrel, or is it just that the dog doesn't want anything in what he believes to be his area? Do you think it's the yes. latter? Yes. I've come Dogs to the... are all territorial. Yeah, so it's not that he really... Because my wife would say, well, what is he going to do when he catches the squirrel? And I, I finally came to the conclusion, he's really not trying to catch the squirrel as such. I wonder he that just all wants the time. It, he just wants it out of his perimeter. He's just like, he's. it's just sort of a, this is my area, no other living things in this area. So he is just driving them away. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Problem solved. Let's get back to building the nut house. Yes. The state will soon uh, move patients to make way for construction to begin in 2009. They also plan to replace their Junction City Psychiatric Hospital with a 360-bed facility because there are a lot of crazy people down there, too. Are they ever? Uh, these two hospitals will cost $413 million, and uh, they'll raise the money by uh, issuing bonds, whatever that means. Well, I don't even know what that means. What it really doesn't mean what issuing a bond. Sarah, bond. what does it mean when they say they're issuing a bond to cover this? They have mental hospital bonds. I don't know. No one knows. No. No one understands. The lottery. So, are you, did you say that they are raising, uh, that is to say, getting rid of the, ho the, the the mental hospital they use for one flew over the cuckoo's nest? Yes. Now, is that the... It, it, it was featured in the 1975 film, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's okay, Nest. Okay, but it's not the place that Ken Kesey actually worked. It doesn't say anything about Ken Kesey in this article. All right, because I know that Ken Kesey at one point actually worked in a mental hospital, uh, a VA, I think, actually. It was a mental hospital for veterans, uh, which is where he got the inspiration for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is... Uh, which is just brilliant beyond words. Uh, and then I didn't like the movie, so I never saw it again. And so I, they're getting rid of that. So that, that bothers me less. I worked in a hospital for a short period of time. I couldn't stand it. Really? Now, was it a mental hospital? No, it was a regular hospital. And the worst part of it was it was New Year's Eve, and I was supposed to help wheel corpses into the morgue. And I said, this is no way to bring in the New Year. This is the last night that I spend here. Wheeling in the New Year. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. It was in Encino, too. Down the, oh, 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 really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snort, but Wheeling Corpse is in Encino. Yes. The Tim Riley story. I thought of you last night, by the way, Tim. I was listening to a new uh, collection of musical recordings. <laughs> there's a um, yeah, there's this uh, a record out now called The Heroin Diaries, uh, which is pretty great. Uh, it's an interesting concept. It is the soundtrack to a book, which I don't think has ever been done before. Maybe it has. But there's a, there is, of course, a, there is a book called The Heroin Diaries. Uh, which is a collection of diary entries of a heroin user, uh, who is uh, Nikki Six, actually. Um, it's his diary entries from December 86 to December 87, when oh. he was a full-on junkie. So he kept these diaries, which they published, I think, last year, called The Heroin Diaries, and then there is a record that is a soundtrack 
to the book. Anyway, the second song on it is called No One Wants to Die in Van Nuys. <laughs> and I was listening to that last night. I was like, typing in my computer and I heard this song, No One Wants to Die in Van Nuys. And I thought Tim Riley would appreciate this song. That's where I was run over by the car. <laughs> by the side of the room. And you crawled across the boundary. Yep. Like you had to make it at least into the next county. Must not die in Van Nuys. Well, that's, that's why I was so fortunate. Because at that time, my roommate... Did you a, think that at the time? No. My, I, I crawled home and my roommate... You look like you've just been hit by a car. <laughs> That's right. And and so I'm there, and my wrist is burned back, bent back like this. And you go, you know, you can't walk around like this. And I go, well, maybe we should go to the hospital. And lucky, she was a stripper, and I did not have to wait in line. Thank because she, she was giving up free passes. So... And all these other people are getting mad because they've been sitting there for like 12 hours. She's giving out, falling off. Giving, she's giving out lap dance certificates and getting wheedling Basically, your yeah. way to the front of the emergency room line. And that's exactly line. what happened. That is so wonderful. So she she uh, married some millionaire from uh, Santa Barbara, and she doesn't have to strip any beautiful girl. Uh, I used, I used to go with her to the bank because she made so much in cash that she had to have safety deposit boxes at different banks. Otherwise, people ask, why are you putting all this cash in the bank? So I, I would be like her security guard. So we'd put money in, in different security boxes, and then she'd take uh -huh. me out to a nice restaurant to eat. Okay. That's my efforts. That is fantastic. That was my younger days in California. Jesus. Hit by a car. Yeah, no one wants to die in Van Nuys. No. Nope. That song. I remember that, too. Somebody hit the back of me and just left me by the side of the road and right in front of Hughes Market on Van Nuys Boulevard at Burbank. And nobody cared. No, no, of course not. So something in your inner self, whatever's left, use it. Pick yourself up, or you'll die. <laughs> just feel like you're, feel like you're the uh, the the, uh, the Terminator at the end of Terminator Two, just dragging yourself forward with one arm, like you know, must must stay in pursuit. All right, here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Thankfully, fully recovered. So anyway, uh, oh, more bad things about that garbage truck driver who was involved in that crash uh, that <sighs> killed the bicyclist. Yeah. Apparently, the garbage truck driver... Now, we're not trying to press blame here because we don't know who's at fault. We weren't there. Uh, the garbage truck driver has a long list of prior speeding and traffic violations. That's wonderful. Uh, let's see here. He hasn't been ticketed yet, though. Uh, he has 25 convictions of speeding. 25? Yeah. 25 convictions Convictions now for speeding, driving without a license, and other traffic violations. At the time of Monday's crash, he did have a valid Class B driver's license enabling him to drive a garbage truck. Does it seem like maybe if you have a predilection for being a little bit of a lead foot, they might not want to give you a vehicle that is huge and weighs like a billion pounds? Mm -hmm. I, I don't really know. And he all... was signaling as he was turning right. I don't know all the details yet, but I was talking to Becca in promotions, and, and she actually said this is this is her assessment based on her her what she sort of discerned from the news. She said that based upon what she had read, um, it was um, it was a little more difficult to say no one was at fault. Which is what we all kind of came to the conclusion with that cement truck, that it really was a bad accident, but the very definition of an accident was nobody's fault. She said it was a little harder an accident. to... Yeah. An accident could be an accident. Yeah. This seems like it was more of a collision. She, she said it was a little harder to come to that conclusion in this case. But again, I, I really only know, but 25? Mm -hmm. How many... Is there no limit to the number of speeding tickets you can get and they don't take away your license? I mean... I suppose they can keep taking it away and then you get back. But I mean, you get like... But they hound you for one. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's it, enough to affect your. You get two DUIs. I think they take your license away. And I'm not trying to. I'm not saying speeding is the same thing as driving drunk, but really. No, sometimes they don't take it away. Sometimes they just make you install a little blowy thing in your car. Really? Mm-hmm. There's a really the blowy thing. What happens if um? So you, the rumor mill goes. And by rumor mill, do you mean something we know to be true? Yes. 
Yes. Really? There's a blowy thing in the car I mean, for two DUIs? She, I mean, I think people <laughs> have to have a blowy thing. Really? Yeah. What happened? Is it? Does it? Uh, let's let's put a pin in this for a second, and then we'll come back. Um, so if you get in the car, you blow into the tube, and then if you are above, if you're blowing no, over point oh eight, no, if it senses any alcohol in your system at all. Well, I mean, come on, let's be honest. I know. I'd be stacking up your Netflix queue if I were you. All right. Well, whatever. Okay. Not my business. All part of the rock and roll lifestyle, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, Tim. Go ahead. So here are more things for you to ponder. Some residents of Body Lake, Washington, are skeptical of a New York Magazine article that suggests D.B. Cooper was a man who lived in the Pierce County town. Stop that jumping up and down. From 1972 to his death in 1994. I read that. Uh, I read part of this yesterday. God bless this audience. They know exactly what we like. I had like vomiting and DB Cooper <laughs> hangings. And... <laughs> I had like a hundred people send me the DB Cooper story yesterday, and I read parts of it. Mm-hmm. It's a little frustrating though because they did that stupid tease where they said, "Has the mystery of DB Cooper finally been solved?" And then of course, no. You read it and you're like, "Well, no, no, it hasn't." It's just some detective who's just saying, like, you know, "Well, I think it might have been this guy." Do you have more details about it? Yes, Kenneth Christensen was a former Army paratrooper and former flight attendant. His brother, Lyle Christensen of Morris, Minnesota, told the magazine he believes Kenneth was D.B. Cooper. Most believe the hijacker died in 1971 when he jumped off the plane over southwest Washington with $200,000. That's not a lot of money these days. No. Bonnie Lake Bear, Neil, uh, Neil Johnson said the D.B. Cooper connection could draw some visitors to town. Kind of a Loch Ness Monster type of thing. One resident who lived a block away from Christensen said he had a lot of money and was generous. But Julia Brown doubts he was a hijacker. And notes, he's no longer around to defend himself. Well, and you know what, what bugs me about all these D.B. Cooper stories, and they actually did remedy this with this, with this latest guy, there is a living witness, the, the, the stewardess, um, to whom he handed the note that said, like, I have a bomb, I will blow up this plane if you don't give me 200 grand. Whatever. And he showed her the what alleged to be an explosive, was alleged to be an explosive. The, the, the stewardess saw him. I mean, she talked to him three or four times. Uh, and yet with most of these cases about, like, could this man be D.B. Cooper? Like, they never just go ask the stewardess, like, hey, is this the guy? So it, with this case, they did show her a photograph of this latest guy who they are purporting, who, who this one guy purports to, to, to have possibly been D.B. Cooper. And the, But she's all very noncommittal. She's like, well, I don't know. It was such a long time ago. And blah, blah, blah. People don't really appreciate D.B. Cooper anymore, I think. I think that is, I really feel like there ought to be more attention paid to him because, I mean, in Portland, because that was here. Yeah. I mean, it happened here. There is a, have you seen those creepy photographs of the plane? Because you remember when that happened, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, uh, but I remember hearing about it. My dad was kind of a D.B. Cooper fanatic. My dad had this whole, my dad had a whole thing for, and maybe this is where I get this. My dad had a thing for the weird sort of unsolvable mystery that he kept turning over and over in his head trying to figure out. Uh, my dad uh, was sort of into the Bermuda Triangle, which was big in the 70s. They don't really talk about that anymore. Um, my dad was, this is before they found the Titanic, my dad was really, Sarah doesn't remember this actually. Do you remember when they found the Titanic? Mm-hmm. Really? I was obsessed with the Titanic How old at a were very you? young age. When did they found it? When I was like 10. That's impossible. Everybody was... loves the Titanic. Well, maybe I don't remember when they found it, but I remember when it was in the news quite a bit, and my dad had bought, like, books and yeah, all kinds yeah. of things. Titanic rattles. <laughs> Wait, so you were ten. I was I was still in middle school, I think, when they found the Titanic. I was, like, five. Because I remember my friend had the National Geographic. Wait, what, what year was it found? Tim? 
Like 86? Yeah, somewhere around there. That would be six. Anyway, oh, that's, po- that's possible. Possible, I guess. My dad was obsessed uh, with uh, with finding the Titanic and how you could possibly raise the Titanic. And this is, of course, before they knew it was broken into pieces. They thought it just had this sort of gash down the side. And my dad was obsessed with how you could get down there and fix it and raise it. And um, But my dad was obsessed with D.B. Cooper, and I think that was passed on to me. I think that's one of the reasons I am is so into that. Um, but you see those photographs, and it's just so creepy because the plane... It was what, PDX to Seattle, right? Or was it Seattle to PDX? Oh, now oh. see, now I can't remember. Oh, I've got I don't it, remember. I've got it turned I've got it turned over Somebody my head. Must remember. I think it took off from Portland and it was headed to Seattle. Um I might have that backward. Anyway, but but there are these shots though of the plane sitting on the tarmac, and I know that I this is one of those things that you know, maybe only a handful of people are really into, but it is such a creepy photograph to me. The there is just something so weird and mystical and romantic and, and whatever about it, about just some guy, that he is such an enigma. And that there is, it's that the tantalizing thing about D.B. Cooper, and of course, if you're, like, you know, if you're like the one guy who doesn't know, D.B. Cooper is a guy who got on a plane in what, 72, something like that? 71, 71. November 24th, 1971. Um, he got onto a plane. A Boeing 727. And he sat there, he summoned the stewardess, he opened his briefcase, he showed her what it claimed to be a bomb, and he said, there you go, uh, I'm going to need $200,000, I'm going to blow the plane up. They landed the plane, all the passengers got off, they... Took back off again with just the skeleton crew, just like two pilots and just him. He asked for 200 grand in a bag and some parachutes. So they land the plane. Everybody gets off. They bring on four parachutes and 200 grand. It left from PDX. Left from PDX. That's what I thought. Seattle to PDX. So the plane takes off. It's just the pilots in the cockpit and D.B. Cooper, who has the whole plane to himself. And he says, don't come out of the cockpit or I'll blow the plane up. And so the pilots are looking at the gate. They're looking at the instrument panel. They're in the air. He Over the intercom, he says, I need you to lower the plane to like 10,000 feet. And then they see on the instrument panel that one of the doors of the plane is opening. And then they see that the door of the plane has been, you know, whatever, it's closed or whatever. Over Woodland, Washington. And then they land the plane and he's gone. And they never found him. They, they found a little bit of money somewhere. They never found the parachutes. I mean, he vanished. And like that, he was gone. The only successful skyjacking in American history. The only one ever. Never caught. And the fascinating thing... I'm officially monologuing, I know. But the fascinating thing about D.B. Cooper is it's not like he's some guy that you've never seen, but he's not like a guy that you have a photo of. He's in that shattery netherworld because there's a composite photo of him that the stewardess made, and there is that haunting shot of the plane sitting on the tarmac at Portland Inter- at PDX at our airport, and it's a shot that the, the the press took from far away. And it's at night, so the plane is all lit up, and there are two spotlights on it. And, you know, the plane had been emptied by that point. It was just the pilot and him. And there's just this photograph of this plane sitting on the tarmac, bathed in spotlight, illuminated from the inside. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And you you look at that picture, and you go, like, he was there. He's there in that photo. Even if you can't see him, because he's just, you know, he's not sitting near a window. He wouldn't let himself, he was smart enough to know that they would probably photograph the plane from the outside. So it's like he is just sort of underneath the surface. It's like he's sort of behind glass a little bit, because they have, you know, they have the composite sketch. They have the photos of him on the plane. um, They have the description of the stewardess, but they don't have a picture of him. All they have is just these, you know, little glimpses of him, basically, out of the corner of your eye. Because it was before security cameras. You didn't have to, have, you know, didn't have to have any sort of a supplementary identification. 
And it was before the installation of the Cooper Vane, a mechanical wedge that prevents the rear stairway from being lowered during flight, as required by the FAA in 1972, a year after Which is named for him. The Cooper Vane is named for him. How great is that, by the way? To this day, planes have a device that will not let you open the door in the air, and it's named for D.B. Cooper. I mean, I know that it is... I know that in this post-9-11 era, it is probably considered inappropriate for anybody to talk about a guy who hijacked a plane as being sort of a bizarre folk hero, but he is. I mean, there's no getting around it. In the Northwest, there are restaurants named for him. There are books for him. Uh, uh, Treat Williams did that movie, The Search for D.B. Cooper. Um, I think Kid Rock, of all people, actually mentions him in a song at one point. So he is kind of a weird folk hero because he didn't hurt anybody. No. Didn't harm anybody. Probably didn't even have a real bomb. And took $200,000 of the government's money and vanished and was never caught. I mean, he, it's, that photograph just, I can picture it just like it was in front of me. It's just, a, it's haunting. I'm trying to find it on the internet, so I can't find it. Now, on February 10th, 1980, a young boy and his family were on a picnic and they found over $5,000 in decaying bills, approximately 40 feet from the waterline yeah. and two inches below the surface on the banks of the Columbia, five miles northwest of the Coob. After comparing the serial numbers with those when the ransom given to Cooper some eight years earlier, it was proven the money found by Brian was part of the ransom given to Cooper. Right. To this day, the rest of the money has never been found. They've never found the rest of the money. They never found his body. Of course, you know, they're not a big place. However, this guy, uh, Kenneth P. Christensen, he had purchased property with cash a year after the hijacking, drank bourbon, and smoked, as did D.B. Cooper during the flight. Yep. There's a guy in Florida, I forget his name now, there was a guy in Florida who right before he died told his wife, he said, look, I have a confession to make. And she said, "Uh, what's the confession? And he said, uh, and the interesting thing about this guy in Florida is he said, I'm Dale Cooper, Uh, which is actually his real name. DB was was a mistake. That was a mistake the press made. He never called himself that. He called himself Dale Cooper. And if you are a Twin Peaks fan, you will recognize the name Dale Cooper. Uh, but uh, he, he said, by the way, I'm Dale Cooper. And his, he was on his deathbed. And his wife said, what do you mean? Who's Dale Cooper? And he's like, oh, never mind. And then he died. <laughs> so, and she can't, it's just, a, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story, especially if you live here in Portland. Um, you know, it is weird. Every time I go to Portland International Airport, every time I go to PDX, I sit there and I look out at the, at the, at the runway, at the tarmac, and I wonder where that D.B. Cooper plane was parked, you know, that night. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. 35 years ago, this year. Yep. Uh, all right, let me get some of these calls. I'm sorry for just rambling on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Um, 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 I've got so many things. Now I'm lost. I'm on this D.B. Cooper thing. And I Welcome to my head, sir. What makes it so wonderful? I think what you're trying to describe is it's, it's almost like it's a new genre of uh, great train robbery, stagecoach robbery. Yeah, very much. Kind of cowboy thing, you know what I mean? Like like you're saying, you know, nobody got hurt, no, you know, um, and that whole thing. But... Uh, uh, and also, too, you know, you can drop anything over the Oregon, uh, over any uh, section of Oregon forest and then go look for it like six months, nine months later, and it's just gone. Oh, you'll never find it. I mean, if he... The forest regenerates so quickly. It just eats everything that falls onto it. And I mean, if his parachute, let's say, didn't work and he went straight down, uh, that guy would make a hole about ten feet deep and you would never find him ever. Oh, no, never. Ever. I... You'll never find that guy if he just hit the ground. Yeah, how long is a piece of parachute material going to last, you know, hanging from a tree? Yeah. I mean, my dad had this whole theory that he, that he, because he, and that's the other thing. He was just wearing a business suit. He was just wearing a gray flannel suit. Uh, and my dad had this whole theory that he was uh, wired against the cold somehow. He had like electric, like a, an electric warmer underneath there or whatever. Because yeah. otherwise, I mean, that's, you know, that's some cold ass weather to be jumping into. Oh, heck yeah. Um, the, 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 God, there was something I wanted to call was it about, earlier. Was it about driving drunk, sir? Oh, thank you very much. Actually, yeah, uh, you were talking about how this guy had 25 dings for uh, speeding. Yeah. 
And I come from a similar background. And uh, but the thing is, is that how proud my... your parents must be? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, they died of shame. But uh, the thing is, is that um, what I, my question was. When they look at your record and then they release it to the press that you've got 25 of those things. Yeah, I had 20, uh, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 speeding tickets, but that was like before I was 25. You know what I mean? And so right. it's like when they look at those kind of records, you know, because when you go talk to the judge, you know, if he has a two or three year, you know, you're, you're allowed to speak publicly about, you know, what's happened to you in the last two or three years um, because that's all that they hold you on. Uh, but the. But basically, anything longer than that, it's... Is there, does it roll off after a while? Well, I, the, the thing is that there's two sets of records. There's the public record, and then there's, you know, the permanent record. Your permanent record. Yes. And um, they can actually, you know, if they want to, they can go back. And they can, you know what I mean? And so it's right. like you, you have three or four on your record, but you've actually got, you know, X hmm. if you go back far enough. I'm just wondering if that's the case or if this guy just... Maybe. You know. And somebody did point out that if they take your license away and you're a habitual speeder, if they take your license away, they can't keep pulling you over you uh, pulling you over and finding you and making money off of you. So maybe they consider like a risk-benefit assessment and they decide that it's worth it to have you speeding because you're not really dangerous and you're a cash machine for the state. Oh, yeah. I think I paid for two or three traffic lights before I left California. Well done. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Bye now. All right, we'll do a few more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Rick? What's How up? You doing, man? What do you got, bro? Hey, hey uh, one thing about D.B. Cooper is in that new show, Prison Break, yeah. they, uh, they feature, feature his character. Really? The the, the actual character of, of Dan? I guess it was Dan Cooper? Dan Cooper? Well, it's it's rumored to be him. It's but, rumored to be him. So is there, yeah. a, is there a guy, a character who it sort of whispered about that, like, hey, that guy was D.B. Cooper? Well, no, no, they actually uh, they actually interact with them in the show. It's a pretty cool show. Prison Break is one of those shows that that I it was sort of under my radar that I never uh, I just never watched for whatever reason. Well, that's why they have the TV shows on DVD. You that know? is that is true, sir. Well, I, when I finish Battlestar Galactica, I, I got to find the next thing to watch. So maybe it'll be that. Who knows? Hey, hey. Also, one, uh, one thing about the guy with uh, twenty five moving violations. Yes. I'm pretty sure the rules are are, are a little different for uh, CDL drivers. Um, I'm pretty sure like, it's been a while since I've taken the test, but if you get three in a year, then they revoke your your FCDL. Well, that's what I thought. I mean, it's not like he's driving a Pinto. I mean, he's really he's driving a a garbage truck. It would seem like, you know, you know, like you, you know, maybe your best and brightest don't always end up driving a truck somewhere. You know, I mean, the law of averages says that there's smart people and dumb people everywhere. But it seems like maybe you'd take more than a passing look at these guys. Well, I think I think uh, personally, just as being a truck driver. Uh, the guy was probably going a little, was like, I mean, probably going too fast and just kind of, I mean, because that, because the area that, that the guy got hit is not really an area that you're going to, you know, whip out and make a, a right turn really fast. Well, that intersection is apparently really gnarly because there's the max tracks there and then there's, you know, there's like nine different kinds of weird, I guess, I guess somebody had made the observation that, that they were amazed that the, the accidents don't happen at that intersection, you know, whatever. The thing is, and, you know, the thing is, on a, uh, on a, I mean, I'm sure it's the same on a garbage truck, but, I mean, in my truck, really, the only, there's only two real blind spots that I have, and both accidents happen in the same, same sure. part. Well, right? Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say right, you know, on, on the right side of the truck, 
right next to the front front wheel. And it's they someone's... both were signaling, too, that the cement guy a couple weeks ago was signaling, and this guy was signaling. As again, and as we always point out on the show, truck drivers are typically the safest drivers on the road. I mean, statistically speaking, and of course, just common sense, if you know people who drive truck, they, they are the safest people on the road. But it does seem like there is that law of averages that every now and again, uh, you're going to get the guy who has, you know, whatever. He's distracted. He's maybe got a lead foot or a little bit of bolt. You get a cyclist who maybe, maybe or maybe not isn't really paying attention. And again, Really, and I say this with all respect, if you're on a bike, you got to just assume that they can't see you. You just have to operate under the assumption that the guy in the truck can't see you. And a lot of cyclists assume that because they are theoretically visible, they are actually visible. And that's just not the case, you know? Yeah, all yeah. Right. yeah. and, and uh, just one more thing. I mean, I, I uh, really, you know, really feel, obviously, for the families that, you know, lost their, their loved ones. But, you know, I also kind of feel for to be a truck driver because I know personally, if I ever mowed somebody over in my truck, I mean, I, I just hang it up. Oh it's, a, oh, it's a bad. I, I, I mean, I want to rehash the whole thing. But a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the cement truck. So my my older brother, who um, used to drive long haul between here and California, he just t-boned a tiny little Honda one time, who was trying to cut across the road in front of him. Uh, and assumed, you know, that they could make it. Their car stalls, and of course, the stopping distance on that is like 300 feet or something. Um, yeah, he just completely plowed into her, and she didn't die, but she was uh, messed up for the rest of her life. And I mean, and it was completely and totally her fault. But I mean, it was not too long after that that he uh, he decided to pursue another line of work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. There you go. Yeah. Just a confluence of bad events. Let's do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Good day, sir. Hello. Um, the the DB Cooper. I was actually calling before about the heroin diaries. Wasn't that uh, Nikki Six? Nikki Six. It's a band of his called Six A.M. Yeah. It's a book and then a soundtrack to the book. Yeah. And uh, they. I watched the uh, Nikki Six show, whatever it was called, um, here a month ago on I don't know VH1 Classic or something, and the the song Life Is Beautiful is. It's an alright song. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually, I think we're actually, I'm conf I'm sort of I'm sort of the two are merging in my head because I will say this and I'm not trying to imply anything about Nikki Six. The no, song sure. there's sort of a passing resemblance in the chorus of that song to Storm Large's song Beautiful, um, which is one of the reasons I haven't played it on the air because it does sound more than a little bit like a Storm song at certain points. But yeah, Life Is Beautiful, which is the single off Heroin Diaries, is actually really good. Yeah, um, the guy. That was that his family found the DB Cooper money was actually in my fourth grade class, Brian Gladden. I'm sorry, say that one more time. The kid Brian who found the money back right. in 1980 was in my fourth grade class. That's amazing. Did he ever? Um, did he? Did he? Did you talk to him about it? Well, he was all you know. He was all jacked up about it. He came back from uh, you know whatever Thanksgiving break about how. Or, I'm sorry, not Thanksgiving. Came back from whatever break it was that weekend and. Was all right. we found the money? Did you hear on TV? You know, that sounds like the, a guy who says that he has a girlfriend in Canada. Totally, that's the whole. Yeah, no, no, no. You wouldn't know her. She's not <laughs> from here. But so. yeah, it's that was that was actually him, and then he moved away in the fifth grade. But all right, um, yeah. And uh, one one uh, final final <laughs> yeah. thing. Yes, sir. They have a DB Cooper, um, like a DB Cooper night in Ariel, Washington, up by Merwin Dam at the Ariel Tavern. Uh huh. Um, the day after Thanksgiving every year, and they. They used to hang a mannequin with a flight suit from the trees, like in a, a parachute back until, in the day. Until the police probably started coming around asking who the guy was hanging from a hanging from a spruce. Exactly that. All right, thank exactly. you, my friend. Hey, were you um, were you near the Baghdad on uh, Saturday at uh, four eighteen p.m.? Creepy. Uh, probably. I think I was getting my hair cut. Okay. Well, anyway. Bye now. Yeah. All right. That was just getting stranger and stranger. Seriously.
I'm afraid to hear what is next. I mean, it was sort of like concentric circles, like getting closer and closer to, hey, I, I like the shape of your bed. Hi, Tim. How you doing? Garrett, we have a story about some hungry goats eating grass at an area hospital. Uh, don't go too far. We'll be back with more news after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Harassment of any kind. Right here, I took mine last night. I failed it three times, by the way. They make you keep going back to get it right. Yeah. You have to continually, you have to take the test over and over again until you pass. So is this only about the harassment of white people? Not that we have to worry about that here. No, this is no, this is um, uh, about uh, harassment of a sexual nature. Oh, okay. Um, I have my certificate of completion, and can I tell you this, by the way, Susan Reynolds came into my office this morning brandishing her certificate of completion uh, like a, uh, what are those things called? One of those guys who fight the bulls? Matador. 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 Brandishing one of those things. What are those things they have? Sword. Sword. No, it's not a sword. It's a thing. Poker. A poker. Poker, this whole analogy is completely going to help. I don't think they brandish anything. I thought they had just had their little swingy cloth thing. Not the thing. point. Oh, the red blanket? No, Susan... Yes, <laughs> like a cape. No, Susan came in this morning to my office like... <laughs> waving in my... Look at this. I finished my certificate of completion for CBS. I now know how to... And by I the way... I am a member of good standing of the CBS radio family. And just... And just let me say this, by the way, and I will, of course, not uh, reveal any of the questions uh, that ye may be asked when you take this, because I don't want to prejudice your answers in any way. But I'm saying uh, this is fantastic. Of all the tests we've taken so far, even the one about the uh, the all waiters or whatever, all waiters are Irish or whatever the hell that was. This is this is far better than that because they give you the. If you don't know what we're talking about, this at a CBS as at most corporations, every so often you have to take a test, uh, which uh, it, it keeps you on the. It makes you a better person. Keeps, makes, makes, makes you better. Um, it keeps you behaving properly in the workplace so that the whole thing doesn't degenerate into one sort of, like, like a Steve Carell sitcom. Um, or the office of the madman. Exactly. It's, Chasing it, dames around and slapping them on the behind. <laughs> you laugh. Wait till you take the test. Wait till you see what behavior they ask you about. Um, filling up the water cooler with white wine. How many times you have to do it? Three. There was a question. I'm not, and I will and not. And you were making me feel bad when I... What was the other one that we took that I you, accidentally You failed, failed the ethnic tolerance test. I did not Whitey. fail it. Uh-huh. I just missed one question. All right, whatever. Just one. I'm just saying. Okay. Oh, ye of the alabaster soul. CBS Ion Ethics. Yeah, reminder. right there. Um, so these full of questions about right, women showing up their hosiery it's, in public places. <laughs> yes. What you don't want to be doing is showing off hose. By which I mean hosiery, which covers your legs. There are be... There's to be no showing of hose in the workplace. So in the stenography pool. In the, um, I will say that this test is 48 pages long. No, seriously. Uh, is there just one question a page? Feel that. I don't know. I forget how many of them are questions. you got to read it all, though. Yes. Um, and then, of course, they've got the great... Um, they're not illustrations. The last one was bad clip art. The this, worst part is they don't allow you to fail. No. <laughs> a lot of tests. Because I t- I'll tell you... I You're took, such an American. I demand to be allowed to fail. But, you know, I took the Red Cross... Uh, what do you call it? CPR uh-huh. and first aid test. Sure. And I got every question wrong, but I got my CPR card. And so I you can't save anybody's life, but people will think you can. 
Right, because they give up on you by the end of the day because you've been sitting there all lot. And they have the cards printed up beforehand. Oh. So it's it really is fantastic, this test, by the way, this Ion Ethics test, which is about the uh, hostile work environment harassment, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, because instead of clip art, this in this test, there's a lot of photographs sort of like depicting the scene that they are describing over here and that about about which you will be quizzed. And so there is a... And again, people I will... winking. I will... People leering in a lecherous fashion. Um, and by the way, you know, it does actually say... And this is... Let me just get to say first and foremost, again, I will not be revealing any of the test questions here because... And now, once you all have taken it and passed it, mm-hmm. once you guys have passed Can the test... Can we do it over the break? You pr- probably can. I mean, I did it... If in, you pass it. I mean, if you, if you don't fail it three times like oh, I did... Man. Yeah, they don't let you alone until you pass things. Yeah, here. no, really, no. They'll prod you about it relentlessly mm-hmm. until you... Preventing harassment? Oh, yeah. I, I'm golden. All right, whatever you say. You said that before you took the one about the, you know, uh, the, whatever the last one was, the the, the, the uh, racial and cultural tolerance one. Mm-hmm. I did pass that minus one question. It was a trick question, and you said you tr- got it wrong, too. It was a too. trick question. All right. Whatever you say, oppressor. Uh, so I took this test, and again, I, when, once you guys have taken it, we can discuss it openly. I don't wish to, uh, to be indicating or to biasing you as you get ready to take this test. But there is this one photograph, and this is not related to a test question. There's this one photograph of a woman walking by, like she's walking by a guy's cubicle. He's, he's obviously a sales guy, you can tell. He's, she's walking by a cubicle, and she's holding some coffee, and he's kind of doing, he's giving her this. He's giving her, the, like, the lean and the look. You know what I'm talking uh, about. Oh, yeah. One lump or two. <laughs> Do you take sugar? Sugar? One. <laughs> I could use a little sweet thing over here. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Are you taking the test now? I wasn't going to just scan it. You want to do it? Well, you want to... No, no, no. Because once you start, you can't stop. Okay. It's like drinking a spittoon. You have to go from beginning to end. There's no halting in the middle. So while Tim and I are doing the news, you should be taking the eye on her on ethics harassment test. I'm getting started right this second, Fantastic. Rick Emerson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flaunt my certificate of completion in the faces of everybody I see Are you today. really carrying around your certificate of completion? Would you, I want to see it. You doubt? Right there. Look at that. That's right, bitches. Right there. It needs a frame. I don't think I feel comfortable with you calling us bitches. No, no, no. It specifically says that while we're on the air, I can do whatever I want. And it does say that, by the way. While you're taking the Ion Ethics (gasps) quiz... Leslie Moonves wrote me a a message. It's not really to you. Oh. Uh, While you're taking the CBS test, by the way, about how not to to swat women on the rump, Mm -hmm. it does specifically say at one point... Let's see here. Hold on. It does specifically... And this is not related to a question. And by the way, in case anybody is hosting a radio program, this is a uh, this is a scenario here. What is the dividing line between our work product and the office? I wish I had some father knows best music for this. The studio door. Skip and Courtney. <laughs> Do you suppose they could be any more white? Skip and Courtney are two on-air personalities on a popular morning drive program for CBS Radio. Hmm. While on the air, you seem you seem suspicious, Tim Riley. No, I'm, I'm not. Are you skeptical uh, that Skip and Courtney would be doing a live morning broadcast on CBS Radio? I'm surprised they haven't sent you a tape yet. Looking for work. <laughs> Budman and Booger are also a morning radio. That's no. more like it. Skip and Courtney are two on-air personalities of a popular morning drive show for CBS Radio. While on the air, as part of the show's skits, Skip and Courtney flirt with male and female callers who call into the show. This on-air banter, provided that it remains within the bounds of 
decency. What does that word mean anymore? I don't know. Will not violate the CBS EEO policy because it is part of the show's work product. Note, however, that after the show is over, Skip and Courtney must conform their behavior in the workplace to the policy. In the hallways or offices after the program, they may not flirt with their coworkers or colleagues using the same banter they use on the air. In essence, Tim and Sarah, mm -hmm. what happens in the show's production booth must Stay in the production booth. Stay in the booth, yes. Mm -hmm. But really, so the corollary... What's going on in the production booth? The corollary to this... can't tell there are no windows. As the, since we have newspaper uh -oh. hung up. The corollary to this, though, is that while we're in here, I can say whatever I want, you goddamn bastards. I'm kind of excited because at the end of this course, I'll understand how to recognize harassment when it occurs, monitor my own conduct and behavior, identify workplace behavior that is not acceptable, and respond to inappropriate conduct. Yes, no, it's true. I would suggest Mace. All right, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Listen to this. No pressure, Sarah. <sighs> okay. Biometric data for school cafeteria is raising property issues. Now, this happens in the town of Staten, which is east of Salem, I believe. The use of biometric technology in schools, such as the system being used by Staten Middle School cafeteria people, have some parents and privacy advocates condemning the move as outright Orwellian. Filling the lunchtime crunch, state and middle school administrators have installed a finger-scanning system to help expedite the lunch line. If you have sex with a fascist, are you having Orwell sex? I don't know. I'm so, No, that's in the workplace. This that's right here in the booth. Mm -hmm. I can say whatever You're I want. You're in the magic booth. The door is shut. The mic is on. I can make all the Orwell sex jokes I want. Sons of bitches. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. So to implement this new lunch account system, students... Prints were scanned into a scanner to help identify them. But some parents are accused of the finger scanning because they're minors. They're concerned that the prints of the children could reach the government level. Some of the parents are worried the government will have access to their children's fingerprints. Oh, who cares? The new scanner uh, plots uh, points on a fingerprint and then converts them into an encrypted number. So it uh, makes the lunch line go a lot smoother. Uh, seriously, I quit listening to this story about four sentences into it. Steve oh, Moon, the okay. director of Mealtime, this is a Portland firm that <laughs> sold the finger-scanning system, rejects that argument. Whatever. Mr. Moon says those fears and concerns are based on misinformation. Does Mr. Moon say this while playing his saxophone with sunglasses, encouraging you to buy an extra-large prize? Okay, whatever. Uh, this email says, uh, Oppressor, I hardly knew her. That broad, that dame, I barely knew her. That's from Nick. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, Providence is, uh, I'm sorry, Portland's Providence St. Vincent's Medical Center is employing an organic solution to a weed problem. You see, they, they brought in some hungry goats. The hospital hired goats to help eliminate the invasive weeds taking over the native habitat behind the building. Thanks to the goats, the weeds will be eliminated naturally be, without using chemicals or manpower. Thank goodness for goats. Uh, residents wearing masks in certain public areas this Halloween will be arrested. <laughs> Happy Halloween! It's You're going of, to jail! It's part of a police crackdown in the wake of dozens of robberies committed by men in disguise in Florida. Isn't it Of course it's in Florida. Where was it at, Tim? Florida. Where? Cocoa, Florida. That's all me. I am concentrating on my test. All right. So every Halloween, about 30 different crimes by armed bandits wearing masks are committed under Florida law. Wearing a mask in public is a misdemeanor. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be simpler? Simple? In fact, don't they already say that you can't walk into a bank wearing a mask? Sunglasses. I mean, if you... It doesn't say anything about masks, it's sunglasses. No, no, no. If you try to... No, no but you can't... 
Really? Yeah. I don't think you can walk into a Wells Fargo wearing a mask, even on I've Halloween. I've never seen the sign. I'm pretty sure if you try to walk into a bank here wearing a mask, they hold you down and they beat you until you're made out of paste. I don't think you're allowed to do that. And are you not allowed to wear sunglasses? Nope. Not so certain Wells Fargo's. What do they say? Well, I mean, There's a they... sign on the door that says remove sunglasses before entering. But, I mean, what if you don't? Does the guy talk? I mean, I know you always do, Tim, so you've never found this out firsthand because no. you are a law-abiding newsman. And I want to take part in Customer Appreciation Day. It's a bowl full of Tootsie Pops. Sunglasses you equal will not be appreciated. no candy. Right, no candy. I if you wonder if, if, a, like if a guy comes in a costume battle, like if they send a guard over to tell you to remove your spectacles. I find a lot of stuff strangely intriguing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Huh? Hey, I think Sarah just missed a question. No, I got my first question right. I just took my first question. What was oh, really? the question? No, 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 don't, 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 re don't reveal Tim, it yet, Tim. You haven't taken the... I can't oh. help you. Tim, you are not asking Sarah to give you advanced knowledge about the test, are you? I'm treating her equally as a woman. No, she. Once you have taken the test, if, if during May I ask only man questions, yes, <laughs> and not questions about ladies. Don't ask questions about the fairer sex, Tim. Uh, here, uh, hello, sir. Hi. Hello. Hey, what's up? Oh, no, uh, I got some breaking news for you. Is this real breaking news, or is this news you have fabricated so that you Something may give us a up. merry joke at the end? No, no, no. It's it's real breaking news. All right, we've already talked about it. Hold on, let me just. Uh... All right, go ahead, sir. All right, so about 10 minutes ago, I drove by uh, the Cornell, uh, not Cornell, Cornelius Pass uh, intersection with uh, the 26th, and there was a standoff with cops. Really? And, uh, yeah, there was about 10 cop cars with a bunch of cops, and uh, they had guns drawn on this dude, uh, redneck wearing a gas mask. And uh, <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I mean, like, no. that's out of the ordinary. A redneck in a gas mask. And by the way, let me just ask this. Redneck I'm, with gas I'm, I'm not disagreeing with your assessment, but I would like to know how you came to the conclusion he was a redneck. Please do elaborate. Go. Uh, Especially where he, had, he, had the, he had the most uh, beat-up uh, red uh, pickup truck. Uh, uh, no, white pickup truck I've ever seen. All so. right. Okay, fair enough. Did he have a gun rack? Uh, I didn't see a gun in his hand, but uh, all the cops sure had their guns drawn. And uh, by the time I passed it, there was already... Uh, six different canine uh, cars that oh. were leaving. Don't you just the want them to don't you want them just to loose all the dogs at once on a guy like that sometimes? I mean, I, I'm really disappointed. I was driving by it. I really would have liked to stop and uh, watch and see where it progressed. You but, well, let's be honest. You wanted to see a tasing. Well, either that or just the, the dogs released on somebody. Or hell, even a shooting would would do me all right. Releasing the hounds. Um, tasing is the new releasing the hounds. I think it's where you know, with, 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 you know Burns is pressing that button underneath his desk, and suddenly you know five uh, joules of electricity just come out of a wall into Homer's groin. All right. Uh, so this was where again? Uh, it, it's right by Cornelius Pass Road, uh, closest to. The 26th. So All right. If anybody drives by that. All right. So if anybody is there, going on, Cornelius Pass Road near to 26. Cornelius Pass by 26. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right. So if anybody... That's the exit. I usually take Tim, to home. Do we have anybody? Uh, any no, I, I don't see anything there. I just uh, have a report of a uh, fire outside the uh, 26 tunnel westbound. Really? It's all clear, though. It's another one of those days, man. I, I, it's, and it's, it's no longer one of those days. One of these days is now becoming one of these weeks. Mm -hmm. Wait, hold on. Sarah's typing over there. What are you doing? There are no essay questions. Are you getting a different test than I got? No. My question, my test was all multiple choice. No, mine is multiple choice. I see you typing. Are you getting help from an outside source? No, I'm not getting any maybe help from an outside for, source. Maybe there's I've already a different memorized test for the girls. quid pro quo and hostile environment. Is someone texting you the answers? Nobody knows the, the questions. I'm just saying, who knows who you're communicating with <laughs> over there? All right. Hmm. No one is engaging in sexual banter. I am actually with you. doing that. No, I'm studying. I'm learning. All right. 
And uh, I just got to the booth question, by the way. Oh, yeah. no. Like, they are allowed to flirt on air. However, in the work environment, they shall not flirt with There's anybody. There's not enough flirting happening in this booth. We need to bring somebody. We should have somebody in the corner. We sh- Okay, here's. Uh, what oh, do you think about this? God. We should hire somebody whose sole purpose is to sit in the corner who we can then sexually harass during the program. You know, just to kind of get it out of our system. You know, just you know, just sort of relieve it, re- relieve whatever hostility may be, may be worked up. Just hire somebody. We can harass them all day long. That way, when you leave the booth, it's sort of a sort of a cleansing sensation. Uh, all right. So, if you were at Cornelius Pass near 26, there is, and this is according to a caller who we just spoke with. Police have their guns drawn on quote a redneck wearing a gas mask. Uh, so, if you know anything about that, uh, and he said there were like 10 cop cars there. Wait. So, does that mean the exit is closed? No. No. You don't know. No. Here's me. Ma- <laughs> <You're> just- no. <laughs> well, first of all, there are two Cornelius Pass exits. One north, one south. Yeah, I don't know that area very well. Well, that's the exit I take to get home. All so right, okay. So, as long- so There's a Fred Meyer there. I'm saying it is dangerous, Tim, because this may and now be... Starbucks. This may be affecting your life. A Fred Meyer and a Wendy's. All right, I'm just saying. All right. Uh, well, let's, It's uh, the gateway to suburbia, so we can't let people turn up on those exits. Anybody who interferes with that must be taken down with extreme prejudice. Somebody's asking, is this another installment of standoff radio? Yes, it is, sir. It appears to be the case. But this guy's wearing a gas mask. I am intrigued by the apparent lack of a handgun, though. So maybe he thinks he's wearing a fancy partying hat. I just got the man. I just got the greatest email from Storm. I don't think I can read it though. Try. No, I don't think. Don't I... forget, you're on the air. It's part of the program content. Well, that's what she's talking about, but she's using a lot of blue language that I don't believe I can. Though. Oh. But you're in the booth. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but be within the being in the booth. Say. Yeah, being in the. It, it does. Yes, Sarah. Little Miss, I know how the test works. Uh, I'm still learning. Did you? <laughs> I'm sorry, you are still... I'm learning how to play by the rules right now. I'm sorry, Grasshopper. I wasn't aware that you were. your knowledge was still in the pupae stage. Um, because as we just said, uh, Sarah, a moment what are, ago... What are you looking at? I'm, look, I'm looking up the CBS policy about sexual harassment. I've got to keep it with me. Uh, because, ah, because as we were just saying about Skip and Courtney. <gasps> I just read about Skip and Courtney. Apparently their program is all the rage with the young it's people. It's very true. But they do sometimes work in blue or risque areas of humor. Well, because um, they do enjoy flirting with callers, both male and female. Well, who doesn't? I'd like to flirt with some male callers right now. Let's have that happen. Uh, this says, their on-air banter, <clears throat> provided it remains within the bounds of decency, Sarah Dillon, will not violate CBS policy. Storm? Why are you trying to distract me while I'm trying to listen? Because Storm is sent us an email is about... Is there a banner over the door that says the bounds... Now entering the bounds of decency. Abandon all... Uh, we should do that. Abandon all <laughs> EEO protection, ye who enter here. <laughs> Abandon all legal shielding. So what I'm learning right now is that I'm not protected by sexual harassment while I'm in the booth. No. I'm just saying Storm sent us an email about how hot and effable she finds certain people on this program to be. Who, you? I'm not saying. Well, was, we're in the booth. It was me. No, it's not me. She doesn't even specify. Oh. But I'm saying I have to put it that way because I can't read her email unexpurgated on the air. Because the rest of her email does not fall within the bounds of decency. Well, if you were Mickey and Skippy, you could, couldn't you? No, no, no. That's Mickey and Mallory. Oh. No, I'm sorry. That's Skip and Courtney. This test is confusing. And by the it way, is. I know that we've gotten completely inside baseball now because we're just talking about the CBS sexual harassment test that we all have to take. Mm-hmm. So Sarah's going to take it, Tim. Then once you have passed it, then we can discuss it openly because I wonder if you all... Got the same questions wrong that I got. All right. I'll do it tonight. All right. So, uh, all right. Uh, here's Providing Tim, I don't get too many more memos to read. Tonight. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. 
Oregon to the rescue. It's time for Oregon to help California. We're sending Red Cross workers and specially built helicopters with at least five fire trucks. They'll make that ten fire trucks. It'll cost them a million dollars in gas to get there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Carson Helicopter of Grants Pass has sent four S-61 Fire King choppers with 1,000 gallons of water. Is this for drinking or for putting up fires? It doesn't specify. Were you withholding a belch just I then? was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So uh, that's that. So we're helping those people. A state panel heard strongly negative reviews today from school district people about getting rid of Indian mascots from 15 Oregon schools. Some tribal members considered the use of Indian mascots, logos, and team nicknames as offensive. During several hours of testimony, officials from some of the schools argued there's no evidence that the use of such mascots or symbols creates any problem with white people. <laughs> they really so like that? we changed them. Okay. Well, look, there you go. CBS Radio News, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what? We're going to do something we very rarely do. We're going to break on time here at CBS uh, Radio Portland. KCMD oh, my. It's Portland. after 1 o'clock. It really is. But you How know, did get this way? Sometimes we just, uh, well, we have like that five-hour discussion about D.B. Cooper, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rednecks and gas masks. Take a, a little break here. We'll come back. CBS, uh, what am I saying? CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy around the corner. Talk about the World Series coming up later on. we got the top five. Mr. Skin, more from Tim Riley. Uh, we'll give away a copy of American Gangster Season 1. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Because I know you do. Oh, I'm sorry that I got 100% the first time. No, you know what I'm sorry about? I'm sorry that you won't shut up! I'm sorry that you're jealous that every test that we take in competition with each other, I always win. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, Later on, we'll have today's top five. Oh, we have, uh, has anybody heard the new Spice Girl song? No, is it good? No. Sarah <laughs> Dillon. <laughs> Come on, we didn't think the Britney Spears song was going to do anything. Uh, in well, look, I've heard the new Spice Girls song, and it's not good in any way. So we'll talk to Ed McCarthy here in just a second. But uh, we should know now that Sarah Dillon, uh, during the last eight minutes, apparently started, completed, and passed the CBS Eye on Ethics How to Avoid Sexual Harassment in the Workplace quiz. That's right. Did you get 10 out of 10? I got 10 out of 10. Now, I want you to look me in the eye and be honest here. Did you get it the first time? You know that I did. You watched me finish. It. No, I'm. But look, yeah. I finished it. But by finish, I mean you know I got. I swear that I got it on the first time. I mean, I finished it three times. <laughs> That's how that <laughs> so many times I had to take it before I actually passed it. So, all right. So you passed it. You didn't fail a single question. Nope. Okay, then it's I, all correct. All right, Tim Riley, are you now taking the CBS Radio Eye on Ethics Sexual Harassment Test? I am. I'm reading a message from our president and chief executive officer. Leslie Moonves. All right. Now, uh, are you finding it? Uh, you're able to focus? You're able to concentrate? Well, he seems like a pleasant chap. He really does. Would you yes. like some music to help you take this test? Sure. Hold on. As, this as Tim oh Riley God, takes the, one of the sexual harassment quiz, if you'd like some study music, we can... Uh... All right. Let this play soothingly in the background. Should I be saying something? No. Okay. No, just keep on studying. No, you just... Our policies are clear. We have okay. zero tolerance for harassment and discrimination. Wait, I think we... I should wait until he's done with the test, but I think I have an idea for a fantastic bit. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, from the dirty self, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 
And uh, I apologize, you're actually not in the South today. You're in Atlanta seeing a radio correspondent, Ed, or you're in Boston, rather, Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Hello, Rick. Yes, I am. I'm uh, among my people here, uh, my roots of my uh, existence. Now, when up you... of this area of New England here. When you say, when you say your people... My Red Sox people. Now, is it? Are you, are you originally? Now, are you from New England originally? I am. I'm from Connecticut originally. I just happened to uh, meet someone who was from the first, the town of the first radio station that I worked. Really? That's <laughs> really funny. Where was the? Uh, what town and what radio station did you start at? Uh, it was Southington, Connecticut, uh -huh. uh, and and it was WNTY. It was w a little 500 watt daytimer. Yeah. What what format? Was it like just a full service or? Yeah, and then uh, you, they used to turn on the, uh, you know, heat the old bulbs up in the morning to get the thing going, get the transmitter going. Boy, I got to tell and, you, uh, I I like you, and I think Tim is in the same boat. I have uh, Tim can't speak right now, by the way. He's taking the CBS Radio Ion Ethics: How to Avoid Sexual Harassment in the Workplace test. But if Tim were able to speak, he would tell you that, like uh, you and like myself, uh, we've all worked at those stations where you had to go in in the morning. And this sounds like a joke, but there are so-called daytimer stations, stations that literally they don't lower the power at night. They turn off the radio station, you turn off the station at night, and then you turn it back on in the morning. And there is something very romantic and beautiful and just very much of a bygone era for the most part about those stations where you go in and you turn on, and if you are very, very lucky, you would work at one of those stations where they would have these big uh, hallway full of metal doors and little tiny thick windows, and you would turn on the switch and you would see the tubes turn on and glow to life inside. And it really was a peculiar, uh, peculiar and beautiful thing to watch. It really was. It really was. We had a disc jockey who used to be late all the time in the morning, and he would turn the thing on when it would warm up. He'd open the mic and go, clean cloudy in the morning. <laughs> Excellent. Like he was finishing the weather forecast. It was really a gas. We used to love that. And then at night, I used to work in this town called Prosser, uh, which is up here. And in Prosser, it was at this radio station in this trailer in the middle of a like a dried-out weed field. And it, it and I would go in, and I would play country records. And then it was like satellite, like Unistar Oldies, I think was the format, Unistar Country Oldies. I would babysit the automation system. I would do, I've talked about this in, in other in other forums, but, I, you know, I did this thing called the Pet Patrol, which is for missing livestock. And, you know, and I would just, you know, take, you know, calls from, like, the one redneck who happened to be listening to the station. And then when midnight came, I would go back to this bank of electronic equipment, and I it was it was just sort of like being a mad scientist because you had all these switches and knobs and dials you would flip. And the station, That's right. And the station would kind of go, and then the station would be off. It's just it was it was a strange time. Anyway, so I don't mean to get the you know get all sidetracked with that. So you are, so I mean, let's talk about this World Series because it is, and I always say this that I'm not much of a sports fan until it intersects with pop culture. Um, but let's talk about about the Rockies because they are what is it? They're 21 for 22, something like that. Yeah, exactly. What a finish for the end of the season to win 21 of 22 ball games. They had to win a playoff game to get into during the regular season to get into the playoffs as the wild card team. They got in and then they knocked off. <laughs> they knocked off the Phillies. I mean, they, it was really amazing. Just amazing team. They have got to be. I mean, at a certain point, when you get to a streak like that, where you're seven games, nine games, twelve games, I think at a certain point you become nervous because you're like, well, when are we going to blow the streak? When is this going to stop? When are we going to lose? But don't you think? I mean, I don't know a whole lot about sports, and, I, and I've really never played sports except when I was sort of forced to at virtual gunpoint in, in school. But, I mean, I think at a certain point when you get to be like 18, 19, 21 games, you do, 
you do get a sort of vibe going on, right, where the team just has this feeling that it is destiny. Oh, it's, you, you feel unbeatable. Absolutely. You know, they get that feeling. But now here's the thing. This is what is really interesting, and all the sports writers are talking about this. They have had nine days off. Right. And uh, the Red Sox battled to seven. Uh, you know, they were down 3-1, which is another great story in itself, and beat the Indians because uh, the odds of you coming back after being down three games to one are virtually nil. Right. So anyway, the Red Sox came back. Now the Red Sox have the momentum because they've only had a short time off, and the Rockies perhaps don't have that going, so they might have a little rust on them. So we'll see what happens. Tonight's going to be a pretty key game, and we'll see. We're going to get some rain probably uh, toward game time. We're getting a little light rain here and there through the course of the day. But uh, I'll tell you, the uh, the electricity outside of Fenway is just amazing with the fans. What is and the, the players uh, coming in, and just really they're loving it. What's the makeup of the crowd like? I mean, obviously it's mostly a, a, you know, a home crowd, but I mean, how many people have made the trek from Colorado? to watch this. Oh, I haven't seen many, to be honest with you. It's it's really mostly Red Sox fans, I think. And, uh, you know, the Rockies fans uh, had a devil of a time to get tickets because I guess they had a big computer failure. Right. And uh, they finally were able to get their tickets. Uh, at one point, they, they were going to have the uh, the county emergency management uh, agency use their emergency computers uh, for tickets. And then somebody got wind of that. They said, oh, bad idea. We better not do that. Bad PR. I, so uh, they went, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, so they went the other route and uh, put them online, uh, you know, and the computer's all jammed, and they had trouble. But they finally got their tickets sold in three hours when they get their problem fixed. I do have to uh, to say this, and I, and I hate to mouth these words at a, uh, at a New Englander, uh, but do you get the sense that you know, whenever there is sort of a streak like this, the country does sort of line up uh, behind one team or another. They're always this sort of a national zeitgeist. And do you get the feeling that America as a whole, to whatever extent people are involved in this, are really behind the Rockies? Yeah, you know, in a sense. But then again, you've got to realize the Red Sox for so long have been underdogs. So, you know, they broke that curse in, you know, in 2004 after uh, 86 years when they uh, had not won a World Series. And uh, here they are back again, you know, three years later so. It's pretty exciting. I think, you know, you're going to find a lot of people watching this game with a lot of interest. You're going to find them, you know, Red Sox fans because the fair Sox battling back, and then the Rockies, the battlers coming back. So we're just simply calling it the Rocks against the Sox. Excellent. Fantastic. My friend, I will let you get to all of the news that needs to be covered today. Uh, enjoy, your, uh, enjoy your sojourn in Boston. We will speak with you soon, sir. Thank you so much, Rick. Bye-bye now. Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen, in Boston. Fantastic. I dig that guy. All right. I don't know where my water went. You know, I had some water, and I, it's gone now, and I can't drink my coffee without my water because the coffee's all... i got to drink this coffee hot? If uh, over 15% of workplace sexual harassment charges are made by men, does that mean women are responsible for 85%? Oh, unless you count Jamie Lee Curtis into that equation, I suppose. Oh, I don't know that's the best joke I can come up with. I'm, I'm one cup of coffee short. I'm supposed to have two cups of coffee. The doctor says I need to have two cups of caffeine at 1 p.m. I've only had one. So really, in my I caffeine... I little coffee, too. Yeah, my caffeine-depleted state, a cheap hermaphrodite joke was really the only way I could go with that. Does it say that men file 15% of harassment claims? Is that at CBS or in it general? It says over 15% of workplace sexual harassment charges are made by men. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Probably, it would probably be improper for me to weigh in at this time while you're still taking the exactly. test. Exactly. We can't help you, what Tim. Of, You've got to help yourself. Of 48 pages, Tim, what page are you on? 17. Really? Yeah. Sarah finished that in like five minutes. 
I read slower than most people. <laughs> I guess women read faster than men. Tim, that is a racist... Uh, no, wait, no, sorry. Tim, that is a sexist stereotype. I can never keep these quizzes straight. I will not have you say that it about women. It is a racist, women. sexist stereotype. It is. I will not have you speak about Irish women that way. Not at my radio station, Tim Riley. Even though we are in the magical booth. It's true. No, we're in, we're in the booth. <laughs> All right. Jesus. All right. I see a Mopsy show. <laughs> Skip and Courtney... We should see if Skip and Courtney are available. They sound like a fun-loving group of guys, what with their constant sexual harassment of each other and the callers within the workplace. All right. Uh, it's not sexual harassment if it's just mild flirtation. No, 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 no. Because this test clearly states that Skip and Courtney... Um, Did not violate any such thing. Well, it doesn't really say. It just says that Skip and Courtney, uh, while their on-air banter uh, may, uh, may contain flirtatious behavior... And I'm really curious about I was this. just reading about George uh, slapping Ava's behind at is, some CBS Is her station. name really Ava? Yes, it is. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Or Eva. But I would think if she called herself Ava. Well, what, what Tim? If well, she's she calling herself... Maybe, it, it would be uh, very European. So you're saying that in some cultures this sort of thing might be accepted or even uh, encouraged? Yes. But not here at CBS. No, of, co no, of course not. Um, anywho... We should take a break here. we got to come back at the bottom of the hour. We have, uh, Mr. Speaking of Decency, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be coming up. Sarah, he's going to be discussing bosoms. Oh, good thing I'm in the booth. And buttocks. Ooh, Wendy is sitting on Richard's lap. Really? In a meeting because there were no chairs left. Are there pictures? It doesn't say. All right. I'll just imagine it. In luxurious and lascivious detail. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Skin, more of Tim Riley, top five, and more of your phone calls. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Watch me hit this post right here. Broadcasting from deep within that new direction today. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Tim Riley, are ye taking the CBS Radio Eye on Ethics, How to Avoid Sexual Harassment in the Workplace Test? I am. I'm on page 39 of 48. Then I will not interrupt you while you take this test because I do not wish to influence or affect the outcome or results in any way, Tim Riley. Uh-oh, I'm up to knowledge check. I guess this is the real thing, isn't it? That's, uh, you're coming up on the knowledge check. That's where Jimmy Branson bought it. No. Uh, Sarah passed it with flying colors. I had to take it three times. And I do always, and I'll let you get back to the test here in just a moment. I do always wonder, because didn't you have to take the last one like four times? The, I take them all about four times. Do you ever wonder if that's going on a permanent file somewhere? Yes. If there's some Jack Black-looking guy in front of a computer somewhere oh, noting... Yeah. They keep track of it. You no, know it. Well, I mean, noting the fact he just can't seem to get past this question about the Irish. You there, know that There's I'm, somebody looking right now. <laughs> Richard Nixon's right now. dream come true. Yeah. Watching right now. I don't know. This Riley fellow seems to have a lot of questions about uh, this swatting of women's rumps. I don't understand it. He seems unclear on this concept. Aha, uh -huh, so they ask all the questions, but don't tell you how you did till the very end. No, no, at the end. Okay, I'm at to number two. Okay, you know what? I'm going to leave you alone now. So I guess there are eight questions in all. There's ten questions, I believe. Ooh. All right. Well, mine's only nine. No pressure. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, our good friend, Mr. Skin. Why, hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, Rick. How's it going? Uh, it is going fantastically. Have I congratulated you on your recent fatherhood? Oh, no, you haven't, but I appreciate it. Uh, I haven't been getting much sleep, but it's uh, it's fun. I have three kids under three and a half years of age now. Dude, oh, my God. Well, you just, you're pitching a no-hitter there. I mean, you're yeah. just... No, I'm pitching a no-sleeper. You, you, you are really amazingly potent and virile, sir. Congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. I watch a lot of movies with nudity. Well, there you go. You know what? I, I would say warp those kids young, my friend. Some, someday they'll be able to tell you know their children, and my grandfather or my father created an empire from... Uh, Oh, I can hardly wait to bring your dad to school day so he can tell everyone what he does for a living. <laughs> You'll have to fabricate some sort of fictitious, like, all Yeah, computer ego. consulting. Totally. Yeah, no, I uh, I help to synergize network solutions. Uh, yeah. uh, so what is up in the world of Mr. Skin? Well, there's a movie that uh, opens in theaters in limited release uh, this week and then wider release next week. It's called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. It has Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ethan Hawke, Albert Finney. But most importantly, Marissa. Lisa Tomei has some really amazing topless scenes in this. She's naked about uh, four times. Uh, great looks at her cousin, Vinny. So if you're a fan of Marissa Tomei, this is your best movie for nudity. Uh, check it out. It's called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. In limited release this weekend. Now, wide release. Now. I am a big fan of Marissa Tomei, and we've spent a lot of time in this program sort of orally letching in her direction. I've been a fan of her for a long time. She was uh, she was great. And of course, my cousin Vinny, she was in a great movie with Michael Keaton called The Paper. She mm -hmm. was in. Is she? Is it? Is she the one in that Me Familia blah 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 movie? Was that her? Well, she was in something or other. She's. Uh, but she uh, has sort of gone through different looks. Yeah. Some, sometimes she's a little on the curvier side. Sometimes she's uh, you know thinner. Sometimes she looks good. Yes. Sometimes she doesn't. Uh, do you know how she looks in this film? She looks great, and she's uh, more on the skinny side. But uh, it's surprising how many times she's topless. Uh, it almost got to the point where you're thinking, Wow, this is gratuitous. I never consider anything gratuitous. I consider it uh, essential to it, the plot. It's but, art. Uh, yeah, some people may consider it gratuitous, but it's that good. The great thing about Marissa Tomei is I remember watching The Sopranos, and when Jamie Lynn Siegler, I believe, the girl who played Meadow, mm -hmm. that was the thing that, that she just jumped off the screen to me because yep. she looked so much like Marissa I know, they Tomei. almost looked like, yeah, sisters or whatever. Well, I am all over that. Fantastic. Yeah, no question. And then there's another movie that opens in theaters this weekend. It's a Kevin Bacon drama called Rails and Ties. And there is nudity, and, Rick, you'll be finding a lot of reports from me on nudity in theaters uh, in the fall here with all the R-rated movies coming out in the fall. Of course, the summer's a lot of the PG-13 movies, but this Kevin Bacon uh, movie, Rails and Ties, 21 minutes in, Marsha Gay Harden is topless in a mirror. You might know her. She was the girl from Miller's Crossing. Sure. She's been in a few things, and uh, uh, she is naked in this, so that's in theaters this weekend. And I guess the big DVD at the new release section of your favorite video store is Hostel Part 2, the uh, sequel to Eli Roth's first uh, Hostel, which, by the way, the original Hostel had a ton of great nudity. This has uh, a girl. I don't know if you remember the movie Welcome to the Dollhouse. Absolutely. Yeah, but Heather Matarazzo played Wiener Dog. Yes. And she's all grown up now and in this movie. Now, if you don't mind the fact that she's hung upside down being tortured, she has a pretty amazing <laughs> nude scene. So uh, the name of the movie is Hostel Part 2. And a great nudity from Wiener Dog, uh, her debut nude in this uh, uh, movie. And it's new on DVD this week. All right. Excellent, my friend. As always, we thank you for being up. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Rick. There you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. There you go. Heather Matarazzo. You know, it's always weird, and I've said this about, uh, well, the, the example I always use is, uh, what's her name, Drew Barrymore. It's always weird when you see 
sort of an adult female actress who you sort of were first introduced to when she was a child or underage, and then you see her older, and she's attractive and nude. And again, Heather Monterazzo, who who played Dawn Wiener, Wiener. Uh, in Welcome to the Dollhouse, which is one of my favorite films of all time. And you've seen Welcome to the Dollhouse. Many times. Yeah. And so the idea that she's sort of grown up and getting nude somewhere, is just, it's a little weird. I don't even know that I could see that and feel good about it. All right. Um, I'm going to tell you for the first time since this, this program has been going a mile a minute, and I hate to use that phrase, fast and furious, but it really is just going a it, like breakneck speed today. But now here we are at 140, and I really don't know what to do. I guess we'll throw it to Tim Riley here for the news here in just a second. Wait a minute. Now, what is that? Now, did you pass the first time? Let me see this. Tim, was mine out there, too? This is to certify that Tim Riley has successfully completed... Really, honestly, the first time you didn't you didn't get a single question wrong. No. Okay. What's wrong with you? Well, okay, I'm just saying, first of all, it took me three attempts to get it right. I didn't fail it three times, but I failed it twice, and I did have to take it three times to pass this test. How many last questions night. did you miss each time? Two, and I missed the same two each time. I, I noticed one of the rules has changed though since the days of Edward R. Murrow. Really? You may have a relationship with coworkers as long as you make it known to as HR. As, yeah, the HR department uh, department confirms that it's okay. So I am now, by the way, now, if, if there are any uh, full-time CBS radio employees listening who have not yet taken the Ion Ethics Preventing Harassment at CBS Corporation course... It's easier than you think. <laughs> you, must, you must now stop listening because I do not wish to influence or affect the outcome of your test. Uh, but I, I think everybody else is taking I think we're among the well, last Well, you're not here. going to so much as Tim and I would. <laughs> Don't you shut it, huh? Um, so... Uh, okay, so we've all taken it here, right? You've taken it, sir. You passed. I t- took it and passed with flying colors. Tim took it and he passed. I took it. I eventually passed. So there were a couple of questions that I actually had to take. Uh, I had to do these more than once. Now I wish that I had. I don't. The, the problem is I, I forgot to actually um, slapping behinds. Is that the one you had? No. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's only one cheek. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to see if I can bring the test up. Tim, do you still have the test bookmarked over there? No, I got rid of it. I'm all done with it. You, you sent it away. Yeah, I sent it away. Um, I think I have it. Sarah, could you bring it up actually? Uh, because there is a question. If at I could the end. get started again, well, do I have to take it over again? No, I think you can just skip all the way through it. Okay. There is a question that I uh, legit, that I actually thought about. I I looked at it because the deal is you take 38 pages of sort of test questions and preparation, and then at the end they give you, I believe, 10 questions in a row about sexual harassment of the workplace. All right. And there was one that I just choked on after really giving it my careful consideration. All right. Is it? Uh, it is the it is the bunny bunny club question. Oh yeah, I had to think about that one okay. too. Okay. So, oh, geez, but don't let go through without uh, don't and don't give the uh, yeah don't give the answer. And it's not about taking your the bunny club. The bunny club. The bunny club question. It is toward the end. And so now I have to take it again in order to get through it. Yeah, but you passed it too easily the first time. I know it's true. So while you get to the bunny club question, also if you take it a second time. Does that do away with the results of the first one? No, 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 because it's a, she's already on record as having, and I have, I have her certificate. She's already on record as having passed it. So, Richie Bristol, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take uh, caller number five right now at 503-733-2970. Yeah, it's in the final bank of questions. Tickets to the Bunny Club. Tickets to the Bunny Club. Oh, really? Yeah, but yeah. don't give away the answer. Because well, we're going to have, have a listener take No, no, take I, it. I know that question. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, we're going to take caller five. Caller five, 
will answer this question from the CBS Radio Eye on Ethics Preventing Sexual Harassment in the Workplace test. If, uh, if you are caller five and if you correctly answer this question about sexual harassment, ye will win a copy of American Gangster Season 1. In stores on DVD now from BET Paramount Home Entertainment. Meet the gangsters everyone is talking about. BET's critically acclaimed crime docudrama American Gangster on DVD. This hard-hitting series features true crimes with real consequences. The complete first season hits the streets now uh, only from BET Home Entertainment. So we'll take caller five right now. And caller five will... Uh, We'll, t we'll take that question. By the way, have you, the best part about this whole thing is, is the sort of scenarios that they give you, such as this one. Can you have the? Uh, can you play? Can you give me the music bed for this? Yeah. Here's the music bed for one of the scenarios. Marcy approaches her supervisor, Josh, in his office. Marcy speaks first. Josh, I was hoping to talk to you about my raise. We should act this out, Sarah. Hold on, I'm gonna walk over. Okay. And then we'll go to the news. All right, from the CBS Radio Eye on Ethics, I will be uh, Josh. You be Marcy. Okay. Josh, I was hoping to talk to you about my raise. Right. Well, you tell me, Marcy, what extra work are you willing to do for this pay raise? Well, I'm working really hard right now. My accounts have been doing well, and I've met all my sales targets for the last three quarters. I don't mean the work you're already doing, Marcy. I'm talking about a little extracurricular activity. Excuse me, Josh. I, I just don't follow. Well, there's a dinner event with some of our advertisers, Marcy. I want you to escort me. What do you mean? Well, and then it says caressing Marcy's hand. After the dinner, you can come back to my place, Marcy. We can discuss your raise in the morning over breakfast. You want me to spend the night at your place, Josh? No, 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 Marcy. You want to spend the night at my place if you want that raise. <laughs> yeah. There's one more that's great. He's hold very on. persuasive. No, he, that Josh. He is. is he's a smooth talker. Wait, hold on. How about this one? That's okay. an example of quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> This is the one where George swats Ava's behind and says, hey, that outfit makes you look whatever. There's one Sexy. more here. Hold on. Let's see here. Uh, is, there one more, is there one more Josh and Marcy one? I guess not. All right. Let's go back and uh, let me walk back over here. Mm. Yeah, and I can't find that bunny club question, but I just really? got my certificate of completion. Maybe again. I don't give that one to girls. Because you're fragile. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll take caller five here in a second. We'll uh, we'll hunt up the question. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim and Riley. Now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Washington State Troopers have a name the best dressed. This, according to a national trade group, the outfits of best-looking state police uniforms in the country. The patrol, which has been wearing peaked hats and distinctive bow ties for 70 years, recently was named America's best state law enforcement agency. This by the National Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors. The agency has taken uh, runner-up honors before, but this is the first time the attire has recognized as being tops. They wear matching blue pants, sporting a dark blue pinstripe down the side, and the peak flat brimmed dark blue hat. <laughs> tops it all off. Okay. A noisy parrot... That likes to imitate sounds, help the man in his son escape a house fire by locking a smoke alarm. Shannon Conwell and his nine-year-old son fell asleep on the couch while watching a movie. They were woken at 3 a.m. to find their home on fire, hearing the family's Amazon parrot peanut imitating a fire alarm. He was screaming his head off. So I grabbed my son and the bird and get out of the house. You know, we got a whole lot of stories lately about parrots alerting people to yep. things. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, the man says he runs an air conditioner breathing machine in his bedroom, and they drown out a lot of the noise around the house. So thank goodness. A breathing uh, machine. <laughs> is that like is that like is that like a horseless carriage? I suppose. So. Out by the cement pond with the automobile. Have you seen my breathing machine? A 49-year-old woman from Alaska held uh, onto a water container to stay afloat for some 19 hours until she was rescued from choppy ocean waters off of Maui. Lillian Simpson was canoeing alone. She was paddling out to do some tours, and uh, she was uh, distributing invitations to a fundraiser. She was already tired from the effort when strong winds flipped over her canoe. She tried to rent the canoe, swim to shore and call for help, but she made a little progress. She wrapped her bathing suit top around her head to keep warm. Okay. And spent a long night dozing off, accidentally swallowing salt water, trying to keep warm. A charter boat spotted her in the water, dehydrated and sunburned, but she'll be okay. Uh, U.S. forces hope to hand over half of Baghdad to Iraq by the end of 2008. The news comes after violence there has dropped to the lowest levels since January 2006. Or maybe it hasn't, and we'll just make up the story to get out. Also, uh, Britney Spears' backup dancers for her widely uh, panned MTV Video Music Award performance, have yet to be paid. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. That's fantastic. Uh, the support crew was compensated for the actual August show and for some of the rehearsals, but are still over the remaining rehearsals. The lack of money may be due to Spears being dropped by her management company, The Firm, and uh, the singer released her new album, Blackout. Well, it will be on August uh, October 30th. Stu, uh, two more here, and then we'll take caller number five. All right, Australian police will not tolerate indecent exposure, no matter how talented you may be. A 31-year-old woman from Western Australia was fined after pleading guilty to exposing her breast and crushing beer cans between them. <laughs> this for the local tourist people. That's pretty impressive. The woman has been fined $900 for the offense. The hotel manager also fined $900 as well. As an off-duty barmaid was fined $400 for allegedly hanging spoons from the woman's nipples. <laughs> The police said this sends a clear message. Thank God the microphone is on, Tim. That's all I can say, and that we are inside the booth while you read these stories. It sends a clear message to all CBS employees on vacation. You should call random women at CBS and ask if they would like to hear today's news stories. We will not tolerate this type of behavior in Australia. No. Uh, I take it back. Let's do one more, then this cannibal walk. I'm glad you said so, because a woman who claimed to be a cannibal has been sentenced. This woman lives in Phoenix, accused of stabbing her lover Wait, to drink his oh, blood. The, oh. been a bit of a day. It already feels like we've been here about six hours. I'm not complaining. Here's your cannibal watch for Wednesday. Why, these stories are the same thing. Seriously, I had pulled that aside and had written cannibal watch on it in big letters, and it was sitting right in front of Tim, and I said, hey, we got this cannibal watch, and Tim just kind of went, well, I'll get to that in a second, but first, the exact same story. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I've been busy uh, studying harassment policy. Uh, today has been Because a little... I have to walk outside the booth in a few moments, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't thing. want to inadvertently harass Richie Bristol on uh, the way to the kitchen? Spot the wrong thing. Hi there, sweet pants. How's the phone screening going? Uh, a woman who... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love Mesa, the way you cradle that phone. From Mesa, Arizona comes word. I love the way you do the twist. A woman who stabbed her tied-up lover so she could drink his blood has been sentenced to 10 years in prison. That is a sexy crime, though. Tiffany Sutton told County Superior Court Judge David Udell that she's sorry for the incident. She never meant to hurt anybody, but received a stiff sentence anyway. There's just no other way to get the blood out of your skin. This crime is called especially heinous. 
Uh, Sutton uh, pled guilty to aggravated assault. She was arrested by Tempe police in February after she repeatedly stabbed her lover during an alcohol and drug fuel sex trip. <laughs> the victim, 46-year-old Robert McDonald, agreed to be tied up during sex but became alarmed and asked to be untied. When Sutton pulled out a knife and she said she'd like to drink his blood. Old McDonald had some blood. Sutton then attacked him, slicing his leg, puncturing his arm, shoulder, and back, and cutting his neck and stomach. When he escaped, she chased him with a pickaxe. <laughs> well, a pickaxe is just going to render that meat completely unusable. Uh, the prison records show that Sutton thought she was a vampire for the first several weeks she, she was in jail. Is there a picture of her? No. That's too bad. No, there isn't. All right. That's too bad. There's your cannibal watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Again, it's a good show. I'm really happy with how the show sounds today, but does it seem like we've been here a long time? Mm-hmm. Does it seem like this has been about a nine or ten hour show so far? Kind of. It's kind of like a Jerry Lewis telethon. How does Jerry keep going? The money's not coming in! Uh, so uh, let's now take caller uh, number five. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Uh, this is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. How you doing, sir? Doing great. All right, Have my a friend. Nice cigarette break. All right, excellent. Now, uh, here's the thing, Aaron. Uh, we're going to quiz you from the CBS Radio Eye on Ethics How to Avoid Sexual Harassment in the Workplace Handbook. Oh, boy. If you correctly answer this question, sir, you will win a copy of American Gangster on DVD, American Gangster Season 1 from BET, Paramount Home Entertainment. American Gangster features true crimes with real consequences uh, in stores now from BET Home Entertainment. All right, are you ready, Aaron? I am always ready. Now, I, be- I believe Sarah's going to have to administer the question because I can't. It's not on my screen. It's over on your screen. Are you? I can uh, do that. All right. So, uh, Sarah will. Um, how many choices are there? Four. There are four. Sarah's going to read you a scenario from the CBS Radio Ion Ethics Handbook. She right. will then give you four solutions, four options. At the end, you must choose which of the four selections is correct. If ye are correct, sir, you will win this American Gangster Season 1. If not, you have only the shame and degradation for the rest of your life to follow you. Yeah, plus I'm just like a harasser or something at that yeah, point. Plus you're a uh-huh. bastard. Plus you're a dick. All right. <laughs> All right. Here is the scenario, Aaron. Roy gets a call from Bob, the rep for Red Cup Beer Company, one of the company's biggest clients. Bob suggests a dinner meeting with the sales team to strategize on an upcoming marketing campaign. Roy agrees and, uh, agrees and mentions a new seafood restaurant where they can dine and brainstorm. Bob objects and insists that he be taken to the Bunny Rabbit Club, which serves steaks and beers and has female strippers. So let me understand this. So the, the client is asking the salesperson, hey, take me to a strip club. Yes. Okay. To make the client happy, Roy agrees. When some of the female account executives learn of the location of the dinner, they express their discomfort to Roy. Now, what should Roy do? What are your options? All right. A, do whatever it takes to make the Red Cup Beer Company happy. Big clients pay the bills. That's true. B, invite only the male account executives to the Bunny Rabbit Club so that female account executives won't be offended. C, invite everyone to the Bunny Rabbit Club, but make attendance voluntary, not mandatory. Or D, refuse to go to the Bunny Rabbit Club and find an alternate location that does not offend any account executives. All right, sir. We will now give Ooh. you we will now give you ten seconds. Uh, just to summarize, effectively, A. Should uh, I make some waiting music or something? Uh, I got the waiting music over here. A, uh, do whatever you know to go to the strip club because the clients pay the bills. B, go to the strip club but invite only the men. C. 
Go to the strip club, invite all the account executives, but do not make it compulsory, make it optional. Or D, tell the client, no, you insist on meeting somewhere else. You will now have 10 seconds. Hmm, it's got to be either. Hold on, you've got to take all your time here. I created this music bed just for this purpose. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. All right, okay, what is your answer, sir? I'm going to go with... D, because CBS is a giant corporation and wouldn't want you having any fun. D, is that what he said? <laughs> he went with D, D Sarah. Oh, that is D, correct, sorry. sir. That is correct. You have won a copy of American Gangster Season Sweet. 1, only from BET Home Entertainment, sir. Well, I want to say, much, Rick. I would like to say that that is the question I got wrong. <laughs> well I, I failed that question of What did you think it was? Uh, so what do you guys think I thought it was? You were ready to go to the Bunny Rabbit Club. I was, I was hella ready to go to the Bunny Rabbit Club. I had my dollar bills rolled. Was, I think you thought it was the voluntary, not mandatory. Life. I thought it was C. I thought well, that, it that was. Well, that seems more reasonable, like what you should be allowed to do. Well, but you have to remember you work for corporate America. Exactly. It's all in context. Right? I, it's like uh, would Katie smarter. Couric jump in your car to go to the Bunny Rabbit Club? Well, Katie Couric might. I, uh... plus, that, plus saying like the male and female, I mean, who's to say that all the female uh, executives wanted to go and the males didn't? That's what I'm right. saying. All right, Aaron, I'm going to put you in hold. We'll get your information. Congratulations, sir. Thanks a lot. All right, you're a better CBS employee than I am. And I work here. in a workplace of modern women. I, uh, the, 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 uh, you know, let me say two things. A, yes, I did choose C. I, my first guess uh, was that you would invite everybody, but that you would say, look, the client wants to go to a strip club. If it makes you uncomfortable, do not attend. You are not required to. It is not compulsory. However, after having missed that question and having gone back and reviewed the materials, I now do see that, Sarah, there is no dollar amount. There is no price that one can put on the comfort and the, uh, the, 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 the proper treatment of one's co-workers and employees. It's very true. Maybe very they have true. a special function room there without the bunny rabbits. No, I, I don't believe that's true. I can tell totally it because, you know, just because the company forks out money to keep us here and the clients bring money in, I can see how they still love there us There is no price on human respect, Sarah. There is no bounty on your self-esteem or on that of a comfortable workplace. I see that now. After three times. After taking the test three different times. It's also clear to me now. What did you think it was the second time? No, no, no. I failed another question the other time. I only failed that one once. There was another question I failed twice. All right. Uh, but it is true. In taking these tests, always remember, your employer doesn't want you to have any fun at all. <laughs> that really is. That is the bottom And, and that should govern your answers. That really? I wasn't. And what was I thinking? I, that it, had, it has nothing to do with a fair world. That, that had eluded me for a period of time. Uh, all right, let's tell you what, let's take a break here. We'll come back uh, around the corner. I have the new song from the Spice Girls, Hold Back Your Excitement. Uh, plus, I have the worst email uh, that we're going to receive all week. I got it yesterday. It was so bad, I didn't even read it yesterday. Uh, we got that more from Tim Riley coming up uh, later on as well. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. All right. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Hi, hello there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, it's 503-733. This button that keeps coming undone. There's one button on my shirt that will not stay closed. Maybe it's because of my enormous girth. Huh? What do you think? I don't know. It is in the stomach area. I was, was just kidding. Mean? Something oh. to pile on. No, no I haven't. I haven't ridden no, my bike all week. No, it's right here. No, and I... Yeah. 
I, and I don't want to turn this into a Kvetch Fest, because I know there's all kinds of people with larger problems, and there's where people within the sound of my voice, uh, you know, working at some the cubicle job they hate for like $7 an hour or whatever. So I'm just saying, I don't mean to complain. And I'm really not complaining about this job, but man... I don't know what it is, and, I, and this is all I'm going to say about it, because it's just a pointless complaint that no one in the audience can help me with. I can't be helped. Uh, is it, I just can't sleep lately. I don't know what it is, man. I don't mean to get all, um, you know, Ed Norton on you or whatever, but I just, I am having trouble sleeping. I, I am, too. I woke up in the middle of the night last night and couldn't sleep for a couple hours. I went to bed. This is how bad it is. I actually, uh, we had one uh, Valium still laying around the house from our overseas trip. I actually took a Valium. Uh, which I night? don't ever do, uh, no, two nights ago, at 10.30, which is, you know, around the time that I kind of start to prepare for, to go to bed. Took a Valium, still laid awake till 1.30 in the morning. And, I mean, after a Valium, I didn't go to sleep. Um, last night, last night I go to bed. I laid awake in, in bed, and, don't, and, and I had gotten up at about 7.30 in the morning. I mean, I got up around 7.15, 7.30, so it's not like I'd slept till noon or something. I hadn't taken any naps. I hadn't had any caffeine since about 5.00. I go to bed, and I, I realize as I say this now, I'm just a guy, this is like complaining about the weather, because I'm complaining about my sleeping pattern, which no one can do anything about. But in case anybody wonders, if I sound a little fragmented lately, I went to bed last night, laid awake, couldn't sleep, tossing and turning, realized I was keeping Lara awake, so I finally just packed up my stuff, went out, laid on the couch in the living room last night, uh, couldn't sleep on the couch in the living room, finally around 4 o'clock in the morning I drift off, but of course then the alarm goes off at like 3.30, and I think after a while I'm just accumulating some sort of weird sleep debt and it and you would think by getting some sort of aggregate loss of sleep you would finally just become tired enough that when you lay down at 11 o'clock you know you just goddamn fall asleep mm -hmm. but i don't know what it is it's just well it's totally a mental thing now too because i i do that thing where i wake up in the middle of the night and i can't look at the clock or else i psych myself out of right. not being able to sleep and like oh, oh you're gonna be old you gotta get you gotta get to sleep now to if you go to sleep right now and you do this thing you tell yourself this Look, if you go to sleep right now, you can still get six and a half hours. That's fine. The Surgeon General says you only need six. Six and a half you're going to get. You're half an hour over the... You do fine. Just go to sleep right now. Now and... Okay, everybody everybody in the head, we're going to shut down. Okay, left side, right side, occipital lobe, frontal lobe. All right, everybody sleep. Three, two, one. Okay, still awake. Uh, one sheep, two sheep, red sheep, blue sheep. God damn it. I can't... Okay, five hours. Okay, if we go to sleep now, we are going to get five hours. Now, look, remember you were growing up, you are going to high school, you'd stay up all night, you'd do that work at the last minute, you'd be doing your term paper, you only get two or three hours of sleep, you're still fine. You know, five hours is going to be fine. Okay, fine, five, five. These sheets are so bindy. God, everything's chafing. Why is the dog snoring so loud? God, Muppet has really started to take over my bed. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, when you're trying to sleep, all that stuff is magnified. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, I... So my God bless her. I love my wife. But do you ever do this? You're sleeping and you're in the bed with someone, and they are making some tiny noise, and I you start to f like to fixate on it, to focus in, and it wasn't really like a snoring. It was sort of like I don't know, like like she was sort of exhaling through her mouth a little bit, and she would kind of do like like that, mm -hmm. just you know, like she would breathe in through her nose. And then it's she like would a little quirk stuff you've known somebody for a while. Exhale through her mouth. And it wasn't a snore. It was like into the nose. Exhale. And so then you start waiting for it. Then you start tensing up and cringing against it. Because you, you know. You quirks every day. When you come in between 10 and 11, you have noises that you make. What are my little every quirks? Every single day. Give me one. You do this. Really? You your and you're like. I do that in the morning, really? Yeah, and then you take your wreath and you're like. And you sit down the entire thing and you're like. 
God, we are just like a married couple. All right. I know. I know every single one of your noises, and sometimes like that. Read you this, like you'll be sitting there reading your email, be like, and you like. Oh. Do I make a popping noise with my lips? Yes, you make popping noises all the times. Jesus. All the times. All the times. All the times on the internet. So I started to focus so loudly on Laura going that I was like. Fine, and I got up and I just angrily took my pillow and went out to the to the sofa because I knew because I could feel myself getting like furious about it, you know, like disproportionately angry. Like, and I would start prodding her with the elbow, which works when you know somebody snores, uh-huh. but it doesn't work when she's doing it like with her she lip. plugging her nostrils. No, I did that once actually years ago. I don't think she knows about it, but years ago, hi honey, if you're listening, years ago she was kind of going, you know, and so I reached over and threw my fingers and I just went. And I plugged her nostrils, <laughs> and she went, ah! you know, and for a minute, I Did thought I... Did you go back down and pretend to be asleep? Yeah. And for a minute, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? And I faked being asleep. Hi, honey. I, I thought I'd killed her for a second, because I You're read... You're not going to kill her. I read somewhere later, you can give someone, uh, like, a cardiac arrest that's if you if do you, that. That's if they're sleepwalking. I'm just saying, I heard that if somebody is sleeping, uh, and you kind of plug their nose, and they go... Yeah! And they try to breathe and they can't. I heard you can give them like a stroke or something. Like you can induce like a sleep apnea kind of cardiac arrhythmia. Oh. So that's not good. I'm glad I didn't kill you, honey. Anyway, but I got so angry last night at this sound she's making that I'm like, F this. And so I angrily grabbed my pillow, stomping out, laying on the sofa. I know I can't watch TV because I know if I do that, it's going to fully wake me up. So I lay out there. Oh, by the way, and I've, I've mentioned this to Fat Boy. Our house is surrounded by spiders. Um... I don't mean inside. I mean, out on our shrubbery, we have these big garden spiders, which we sort of leave there because they get rid of a lot of the insects. And I kind of think they're sort of cool in a way. I'm alternately fascinated by and terrified of spiders. But we have left a bunch of these big spiders in in these beautiful big spider webs in our shrubs out front because it is kind of a natural Halloween decoration. We're kind of like, hey, these are sort of cool. Let's leave them there until Halloween, and then we'll get some insecticide or whatever. But it was all stiflingly hot for some reason. Maybe I'm having menopause. And so I opened the window last night, but there's no screen on our living room window. So, of course, as I'm drifting off finally at around 3.30, I'm starting to think about the spiders in the open window. So then what do I have? I have a nightmare about spiders crawling on me when I'm asleep. It was just like the worst night. Get a fan. I sleep with a fan every night. Well, I just, yeah. Anyway. So there you go. So And no matter how tired I am, I go to sleep at night and I sit there and my mind just goes like a wearing blender. You know, set on frappe. Do you have a cutoff point where you stop drinking coffee during the day? Uh, I don't drink any coffee after, uh, it, well, after I leave here, which is usually, you know, and even if I'm here past six o'clock at night, I don't drink any coffee. You should stop drinking coffee like after the show. No, uh, I can't do that. No, see, you're turning into an old person that can only drink decaf at night. You should switch to decaf uh, because that's probably it. That's a, that's probably a big reason why your mind won't stop. Maybe, uh, but I just, you know, it's just a bad scene. And so anyway, so I'm per- every night I am progressively more tired. Yet still paradoxically unable to sleep. And here I have wasted 12 minutes of everybody's lives with it. I'm sorry. I am sorry for wasting your time and bringing you closer to death. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, man, I'm totally feeling your pain on the sleep thing. Thank you, sir. It's, it's uh, well, it, I, I, man, I don't know what it is, but lately, like the last few nights, I, and uh, it, same thing with my roommate, like I will, you know, go to bed normal time, everything's cool, fall asleep, great, dreams, and then like 5 a.m., boom, I am awake. Yeah. And I just like, oh. It, it, okay, okay, I can go back to sleep. And, and then you start to, like an hour. Yeah, and then you barter with yourself, and then you'll do this, <laughs> where you are actually so intent on going to sleep that, like, the, the single-mindedness with which you were trying to go to sleep actually floods your body with adrenaline, and then you're just awake. You know what I mean? Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, well, and I've, I've been a chronic insomniac my whole life. You know, I have a hard time shutting my brain off a lot of times. Totally. 
And so I'm totally used to it. But, can I, uh, yeah, can I then, say this? Here, let me just make the analogy that Sarah maybe would never come up with. Let me just put it this way. Not unlike uh, perhaps um, achieving, uh, not unlike a man achieving sexual preparedness, let's say, sure. there does come a point where, like, the more you focus on it, just, you know, nothing. It's not gonna, you you got to not focus on it because the more you focus on it, as Henry Rollins said in a brilliant monologue about um, his uh, failed uh, attempt to be with a woman at one point in his life, he's like, you know, he, he's, cause the, he's, he's in bed. The woman's there. He's there. The woman's like, "Let's go," and he's like, "Okay, let's, let's go." And and and, he, and he, yeah, and he, and, you know, and of course, then the bad stuff, the bad thoughts in your head start stacking up. You know what I mean? And then you yeah, just well, realize you're like, "Oh God, I'm so focused. It'll never happen now." And that's what it is with the sleeping. So. Well, and then you start worrying more and trying harder, and just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go out on that strangled uh, scream, sir. Thank you. All right. Let's do a couple more here, uh, and then we're going to uh, call about the CBS test, and then we'll play the new Spice Girls song, which blows. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> hello. Mike? Hello? Rick? Yes, hello, sir. Hi, you're no, on the Rick Emerson no, Show. No, not Rick. Mike? No, you have the wrong number, then. Oh, did you want to title hello? Tom? Hi, yes, hello, you're on the air, sir. Mike? Oh, yeah. God. I'm... <laughs> well, I got, I got somebody else. Telling me I'm I'm on the wrong number. What number would that be? What number are you calling, sir? Did you just do that? Oh, you're a bad person. I am not. You are. He was not being polite. He was not being productive. And he was sort of ornery. He was being mean. Uh, no. Richie, Richie Bristol says that he was drunk. Really? That's hard to believe. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. How are you? What's up? Hey, just real quick. Uh, of course, if... Uh, your answer that you missed, missed would be A if you were an account agree. executive at Sterling Cooper. Exactly. The, uh, the, the, that, it was so weird, actually, as I was taking the CBS test last night about sexual harassment, because I do filter everything right now through the Mad Men prism. Again, where they, there's that whole episode where they're filling up the water cooler with cream de menthe. Uh, and then there's this really disturbing sequence on Mad Men a couple weeks ago where they're having an office party, and, <laughs> and a bunch of the salesmen are placing a bet over what color the underwear uh, that is certainly there's a woman who works in the office, like a secretary, and the guys are all placing a bet over what color underwear she wears. And that at a certain point, he ch literally chases her through the office, holds her down, and yanks up her skirt to see what color the underwear is. And he's like, They're blue, I win the bet. And everybody sort of titters and runs away. And it's That's just right. so weird and blue. freaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing for anybody who's a Mad Men uh, fan, yes. and they have yet to take your test. Yes, sir. Um, just. Uh, Whatever would happen to Sterling Cooper, do the opposite. Yeah, do the, it's like the Costanza. You just do the opposite, exactly. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right, one more, and then we're going to play this hideous Spice Girls song. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how are you guys doing today? What's up, sir? Oh, on the insomnia thing. Yes. Uh, I've been suffering from it for a couple of years now. Same deal you just described. You wake up in the middle of the night, stressing, stressing. But my wife has this move that she pulls. I swear, I'll be trying to sleep. She'll actually raise up off the bed a foot or two, levitate for a second, and then flop over. It's just the most amazing thing. Well, and of course, as someone who is an insomniac, and I'm not trying to complain about it. I know there are worse problems to have in this world. There are people with uh, tumors in their head that have no sympathy for my insomnia. But people who have insomnia 
are always, and I even without asking, I know that Sarah suffers from this because that's just I just know because Sarah and I are very similar in a lot of ways. Are always paired with someone who sleeps like a freaking log. Always, mm-hmm. always. In, I don't know what it is about all us. day, like sunlight, blaring music, oh, whatever. Man, it doesn't matter. Either Lara could sleep through an explosion happening outside the bedroom window. Oh, I'm telling you, my, I think my wife can fall asleep standing up. We uh, get on airplanes, and she just falls asleep. No sleeping pill, no booze. Oh, that makes me so mad. I know. And, I mean, we who have trouble sleeping are always paired with somebody who is just a rock. They just get into bed and just completely <laughs> sawing logs. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, I also love that scene with the panties and Mad Men. That was fantastic. It's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> that show is simultaneously hilarious and really icky. Like, you do feel like you got to scrub yourself sometimes. I, I grew up in that era, and I used to watch my parents behave like that. It was like, oh, my Lord. We're going to a key party. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you, sir. I'll get off. All right, there you go. Uh, just don't do it here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play this terrible Spice Girl song, and then we'll play something better into the break. This is... I mentioned that thing about how the Spice Girls concert sold out in 38 seconds, which just makes me... I'm not going to say it's like the end of humanity, but seriously, it, who? I mean, I know it's in Britain, but I think they sold out here in like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I understand in Britain, because I know that many things... You know, every country has their own whatever. And I know that the Spice Girls were really a thing in Britain, like way more than they were here. They were sort of big here in kind of... But I know in Britain they were a phenomenon. Here they were just sort of a novelty, and they were popular for a year or so. But in Britain, I know they were huge. But, I mean, the Spice Girls reunion concerts are selling it in America in, like, five minutes. Was it you that said that they tried to do a New Kids on the Block reunion and somebody wouldn't do it? Yeah, Joey McIntyre. See, it amazes me that he would that he would be the one. It amazes me that it wouldn't be Donnie Wahlberg who said no. No, no. I think Joey McIntyre is still under the suspicion that he's going to be a famous a solo, actor. Uh, or a solo artist Or a solo artist, exactly. Yeah. Well, he just I, seems humorless, and I don't like him. Is, is he the one? No, no, no. Who's the one that was dating Tiffany? That was Jonathan Knight. Jonathan Knight. He's the one who had the stage fright or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. He was the really quiet one. He was Jordan's brother. Anyway, so the Spice Girls are at this reunion, and they've got the obligatory money-grubbing single that's out now. And it's called, you can tell it's a reunion song, because it references one of their past hits. It's called, it's one of those songs that's got part of the title in parentheses. It's called Headlines, parenthetical, Friendship Never Ends. And it's the worst song. I will say, it is the worst song, but... The one like, bright spot about this song, and it's more about me, Rick Emerson, than about the song, is that my knack for being able to discern uh, the voice of one Spice Girl from another remains undimmed as always. I can always tell which Spice Girl is singing. It's a little uh, gift that I have. It's like a Rain Man kind of a Are thing. you kidding? No, I'm not. I can, I can always tell that. This is it. It's terrible. Are you going to say their names when they change? Um No, the only one I'll really point out uh, is uh, Sporty. You can always tell Sporty Spice. I, I actually can't do it so much on this song, although I can really nail her voice when I hear it. I used to be able to, and it's not like something I worked at. Let's be very clear about this. Let's be clear about two things, you and I. One, I never sat next to Matt Peterson while he was getting a lap dance. Two, uh, for the longest time, I could identify each Spice Girl simply by voice when they were singing. Here, I can really only do it with Baby and Sporty, but it's, you know... It's a terrible song. That's Jerry, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, it's Ginger. It's an awful song. And I don't mean it's awful because it's the Spice Girls. It's just bad. Bad chorus, bad production. I do believe that's Ginger with Baby singing in the background. 
Less interesting. Twelve beats a minute. It's so bland. I've already lost interest. <laughs> I told You're not even a minute into it. it. No. You are not even one minute into the song. I was actually on your website just looking at old pictures from other events. Yeah. You're looking so for a bad. picture of me next to Matt Peterson, aren't you? No. Uh huh. No, it's just remembering your birthday party that we had for you, uh, at Billy the Tonic Reed. Lounge. Oh, the Tonic. Oh, that's right. Time ago. Yeah, this is a terrible song. Uh, Sporty, or Melanie Chisholm, she's the next right here. She's really the only one who can who can actually sing. Such like a cluster of bad things. It's a cluster, yeah. I'm as surprised she actually didn't have a bigger solo career. She actually can sing, and I do find her sexy in a strange way. I mean, I guess they're all sort of sexy, except for Victoria Beckham, who is so unbelievably bony and unattractive. She looks like an alien. All right, we're done with that. So we're never going to play that again. So there you go. That's the new Spice Girls single. Try to avoid it uh, whenever possible. All right, I tried to put together a top five for today that was the top five songs Britney Spears ought to have recorded when she was still popular. I didn't really, uh, that didn't really work out. All I could come up with was Sheep Up. That's it. That was the end of the top. It was like a top one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll play something decent in the break here. You had uh, mentioned this song the other day because we had it on. Uh, we played this uh, on the top five the other day. That about is exactly 90 seconds what I was thinking that we should play. Yeah, so we're going to play this the in the break. Put- yeah, brand new key. So this is by Melanie, uh, as she was known. I forget her actual lap, her full name, but uh, this is Melanie from 1971, I think. 72? Uh, Melanie, brand new key. This is for Sarah Dillon, who expressed an interest in the song and who had never heard it before. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Count the double entendres in this song. Fantastic, I didn't even notice this. Rick, how could you have just missed Sarah saying, quote, I sleep with a fan every night, end quote. I sense a new Sarah Sounder. Excellent. I'll get right on that, sir. I don't know why, but every, even when it's freezing in the middle of the winter, I have to. Sleep with a fan? Hmm. You want me to get one for you? I have my own fan. <laughs> Is he taller than me? All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's... I think you're lucky we're in the booth, young man. <laughs> Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. 
Marie Osmond is blaming her fainting on the Southern California fires. The air quality was really bad, and I have allergies really bad, so maybe that was it. I am a singer. I don't know why I should have been winded. I've done it six, seven, maybe eight times in a row, no problem. Uh, there are some reports suggesting that her fainting spell had more to do with her diet, and also seen her lose 20 pounds. Her craziness. Mm-hmm. Really? She lost 20 pounds? That's what it says here. I mean, I love Marie Osmond, but I mean, really, what did she look like before? I don't know. She's always looked about the same. Yeah. Uh, She does admit, however, that the dissolution of her 20-year marriage to record producer Brian Blossel has been uh, stressful. I'm not going to talk about that right now. I am divorced. Uh, There are still things that aren't finished, but everybody's under a lot of pressure. That's that. Excellent. Uh, Hillary Clinton says she's not running for president just because she's a woman. I'm running because I believe I'm the best qualified and experienced person to hit the ground running in January 2009. I'm pretty sure she's got a scrotum. Bad. That's all I say. I think we're catching Hillary in the morphing stages as she moves from X chromosome to Y chromosome. She is sounding more and more masculine and off-putting every day. I think she's becoming Margaret Thatcher. Jesus. You think she'd know that... I mean, don't I, I think I speak for everyone when I say that, look, I mean, everybody's made up their mind about her, as I've said. She can just go home. What yeah. is she even, really, honestly, I wish Lisa Goddard was around to answer this question. I miss Lisa Goddard. I'm not afraid to say that. I don't even know why Hillary Clinton has to campaign at this point. She is the Democratic nominee. Yeah. And nobody on the other side of the aisle is going to have their opinion changed one way or the other about her. She does not need to be campaigning. She could just go home and sit it out, man. Yeah, she should, like, stop talking so much so that people don't... <laughs> Get turned off by her. Really, we should offer ourselves as some sort of an advertising agency, you know, Mad Men style, you know, yeah. like for Nixon. Um, it, we can just say, look, it, you don't talk so much. Just go home and, I don't know, put your feet up and, I don't know, do, do whatever I'm it is. I'm running you... because I believe I'm the best qualified and experienced person. To... <sighs> Voice, man. Bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for her winning just because of the riots it'll cause. But, Jesus, go home and shut it. God damn. Maybe she has no home. Where is she from? Home? A pod, an egg, some some sort of puddle of viscous goo. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. No, I'm. I mean, yeah. I love Hillary, but Jesus, don't talk at all, ever. <laughs> ever, ever again. She should just communicate with written, you know, with like notes or something. Or she could pretend that she is, uh, you know, lost her voice, and she can just sign everything. How pleasant mm-hmm. that would be for everybody. All right, that would be nice, also. All right. Uh, because you can never ever get enough of I Love Lucy, they're repackaging the classic sitcom in a brand new DVD box set. The son of one of the creators, Jess Oppenheimer, says the, this contained more than just what was seen on television, or so he claims. They had the negatives in the vault, but stuff was cut from the negatives. Uh, I had, a lot of it was in my basement, or my mother's basement. My dad had broadcast prints that Desi gave him, and in a lot of cases, they're the only remaining surviving copy of the scenes that were deleted for uh, syndication. Who, who is this guy? He is the son of the creator, Jess Oppenheimer, right. named Greg Oppenheimer. Let me ask you this question. Really? Yeah. When he wasn't building nuclear weapons? Yes. Uh, is this... Is, is I Love Lucy funny? Yeah, it's amusing. See, I haven't seen I Love Lucy for a long time, but I, it's one of those programs that I now... I, I now have seen it. I just know it so much as a cultural thing. It's like it's like I, I actually asked this question a while back: whether or not Lucille Ball was a good-looking woman. And I don't mean sort of an handsome. No, kind she of never way. was. She was not. I mean, she was That's not. That's why an, she went into comedy. She was. <laughs> well, that is true. There are very few good-looking people in mm-hmm. comedy. Name yeah. somebody good-looking in comedy right now. Ed Till. <laughs> that was genius. You have earned your pay with that comment right there. Fantastic. 
Well, I'm sorry. I stand corrected, Sarah Dillon. Well, I know that you don't like her, and I don't find her Sarah funny Silverman. At all. Yeah, exactly. Like she's, she's kind of pretty. She's kind of cute. Dane I Cook's guess. a good-looking guy. Dane Cook is a good-looking, completely unfunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that maybe that's tied into the fact that Dave he's attractive. Dave Tell is sexy in some kind of weird Dave way. Dave Tell is sexy in a kind of um, weird way. <laughs> in, in a stra- I was going to say he just has that kind of something. Uh, Dave Tell does have a certain sort of charisma to him. Um, you know, Dave Tell. You, this is a reference that most people won't get, but he Dave Tell looks a lot like Frank Darabont who did the Shawshank Redemption. Not a conventionally attractive man, but does have that certain something. Sarah Silverman, I'll give you, is cute, which is why I think she gets so much attention paid to her. Um, I don't really know that pretty people go into comedy, as a general rule, really. But uh, Lucille Ball seems like a less attractive version of, uh, what's her name, Catherine Hepburn. Michael Ian Black's pretty good looking. I suppose. Also not funny in my in the same league as Lucille Ball. No, he's really not. Maybe if we played Desi. No, maybe. Well, anyway, so there you go. Blah, blah, blah. About a thousand rubber ducks that were handed out by the Northern Kentucky Health Department are contaminated with lead. The paint on the ducks that was given out to community health fairs at, at a, a health fair lead levels at a health fair. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a Kentucky health fair, <laughs> so it's all relative. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on porch, strumming a guitar. Playing really, when you, when you factor in a... when you factor in the black lung, it doesn't really matter what your toys are made out of. Apparently, these uh, are toys from China. <laughs> It says if you have one, throw it out. And the idea of a rubber duck, by the way, that's filled with lead. Aren't those supposed to float? Yes. I mean, what is in this box? What's in the box? What is in this box over here? What box? It's a present for you. Oh, I want to find out what it is. From yeah, who? maybe maybe it's your birthday present to me. Huh? And who is it from? No, it's from Seamus. He sent it to me, but I guess it's for you. I don't know what it is. Now, I but why would I be getting a present? And I'm not trying to feign ignorance here. I, it's I not know. my birthday. It's not anything. Is there something? It's close to Halloween. Some consider it to be a holiday. Is there some some event happening I don't know about? Is this my is this my gold watch? Let me see here. Hold on. Ah, Let me just. ah. Hold on. Ow. I'm sorry. It's a pretty big box. It is. I'm sorry. I just set that on the. uh, Hold on. Did you just dump that? No. I no. I didn't. (laughs) Oh, is it? I set this. I dropped this on the thing. I dropped this on my microphone. I just don't have anywhere to open this. Hold on. This is really exciting for everybody, I'm sure. Listen, I'm opening a box on the radio. Opening a box. Open the box. <laughs> Get the baby. Um, it doesn't want to open. Okay, just use your mm. pen to I don't open the side. Pen? Oh. You are not smarter than oh. a box. Would you shut up? That opened the box. Okay, there's a card inside. Oh, it's a piece of paper. A piece of paper is being opened from a box. It is a picture of a retarded child opening, holding a sign that says, Why do you hate us, Mr. Emerson? Thanks. Well, any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I've turned off the microphone again. I'm sorry. Do you need help? Just shh. There's a bag in that box. Two bags. bags. All right. Oh. Is there anything in there? Wait, is this for me? Now, yes, it know? is. Now, do you know what this is, Tim? No. I, almost, I have no idea. I almost don't want to take this out of the box because... Oh, please. No, no, no. Here's why. What is it? Can no, no, no. Just, just listen. Is it an animal? i got to quit turning off okay, the Okay, you've got to keep your box away from your button. <laughs> I don't know how you get the button out of the box. I, um, the... Tell us what it is. Here's the thing. I don't want to show anybody this present that Seamus has sent me for no readily apparent reason mm-hmm. because as soon as I do it, as soon as my back is turned, yes. Tim's going to hit me with something heavy and steal this. Oh. As soon as, Tim, really, honestly, it's so cool that I feel bad 
uh, have <laughs> any. No, don't feel bad. Hold on. Shut I, your eyes. I'm an adult. I'm okay. an adult. Close your eyes, Tim. Close your eyes, Tim Riley. Oh. Look, look at that, Sarah. Don't open your eyes, Tim. Look at that. Yeah, you're right. He's going to kill you. So Tim is going to mug me. Uh, and then Tim is going to steal this from me. Let me see what it is. I'm not quite yet. Not quite yet. He peeked. You peeked, you bastard. Now, do you know why I've been given this? No. No. All right. Tim? No. Please to look. No? You can look now. (gasps) (laughs) That's super cool. McRib is You don't deserve it. What did you do to deserve this? I don't deserve this. Well, then maybe you should just give it to us. Maybe you owe God a future favor. Why is... Well, we all know that's not going to be paid. What does the note say? We all know that that's not... I don't think there's a note on it. There, there's, there's, any, is there anything... No, the note is just from a retarded child, and it says, why do you hate us? There's no actual... No, there's no note from Amazon. No. No, there's no actual note. Uh, this well, I guess I should cool. tell people what this is. It'll make you a better person. This is a 12-inch uh, V for Vendetta action figure, which has push-button sound, featuring 60 seconds of film dialogue, Tim Riley. Let's see if it speaks. Hold on before you go. Oh, it's already been opened. Let's see. Hold on. Let me open this now. Now, I honestly don't know why Seamus sent this to me. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. This is fantastic. Oh, it's all attached. But I don't know why. I don't know what I did to deserve this. Does it talk? Yeah, it does. I just don't know how to uh, how to make it talk. Hold on. Does it need batteries? Batteries. Yes. Yes, and I'd also like some raspberries. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to make it say something before Tim leaves. Maybe it'll say something taunting. No, I, I have to do this tomorrow, I guess. Well, let's save it for tomorrow. I'll save it'll the be taunting. a cliffhanger. I'll save the taunting for tomorrow. What will the 12-inch V for Vendetta action figure say? Now, now you talk to Seamus more than I do, Sarah. Did, did he tell you why he was sending me something? No, let me look back in the This just email. doesn't, um... Well, yeah. It's something you can work on tonight. Well, uh, for the record, I really don't think you deserve anything from Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I think I found the button. Did you find the button? Button, button. It Who's takes, got the button? It t- did you really just make that reference? I did. Well done. Oh, I was going to go, Sarah went one way and you went the other with that. All right. Yeah, I don't know how this uh, works. So apparently well, you have like several hours to figure it out. Apparently it speaks, but I don't know how. So I don't know how. Fantastic. It can't be that hard to find the button. It is a 12-inch. <laughs> now you're just. Now no, you're I'm not. No, I'm just like it to me. Well, right. we'll find this tomorrow anyway. Sarah's going to help me find the button, kids. All right. I'll give that to you, Sarah. I'll give you the box and you can find the button. I'm never going to get tired of saying that. We have to take a break. Back after this, we'll wrap it up. Uh, like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio yeah. program. Don't go anywhere. We will return momentarily, my friends. 503-733-370. Stay right there. It is the... My mouse is upside down. Try to, uh, try to use this. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. You stay there. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Well done. Excellent. He says a bunch of different things. He does have over 60 seconds of dialogue. Sarah. Are you kidding? That's what it says in the box. I don't know where the button is. I just kind of hit him in the back and he starts talking. Smack him. I really. His hat fell off. So we want to thank Seamus for that. Oh, careful. One of his uh, swords is uh, coming loose. Yeah, so for reasons unknown, we just. I'm sure that was ripping radio for everybody. Uh, we just opened a box on the air. Uh, Seamus, one of our devoted listeners who lives in Colorado. Uh, sent us a 12-inch V for Vendetta action figure. Did you hear the gasp that came out of Tim's mouth? Oh, it's the really long yes, one. Yes, the, uh, the V. Okay, I think I found the button. Tim really did... Uh, t- his eyes really did light up with envy and, uh, and admiration there at that moment. It was satisfying. Fantastic. Well, now I can't get him to... Now, now he won't shut up. 
<laughs> Stick it under the counter. He won't be quiet. <laughs> All right. Uh, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. The final. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I must have been a crazy person, everyone in the hall. Yes. I'm holding a doll up from my microphone. Listen to it talk. <laughs> all right, there you go. Uh, all right, anyway, uh, it's 503-733-2970. You probably don't call now because there would be no reason. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. What is today? Wednesday. Um, join us tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, and I do believe we will be speaking with CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini, who I think is on the clock tomorrow, as well as James Roop, and uh, quite possibly... Uh, what's her name? Brooke blah 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 Beninsky, uh, who was uh, fantastic today. So uh, in any event, when is we? I, I don't know what I can do here. What I can't. When does the music start? All right. So yeah. Yeah. So we're doing anything exciting tonight? No. No. The answer to that is always no. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not either. I'm just kind of sitting around. Yeah, me too. Got any good jokes? No. No. Do you? No. No, I don't. Excellent. Fantastic. We want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents. Oh, wait. I want to make sure I get her name correct. If I can. We want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents uh, Brooke Binkowski, uh, as well as uh, Mark Shearer and Ed McCarthy, who joined us today. Uh, also, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Brian M. 977 State Radio, a proud CBS radio station. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones today is the one and only Richie Bristol and the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. Like us next, down to Mike at 7. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. As always, my friends, don't uh, let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. 